When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Executive producer of the other side of midnight, courtesy would change the theme music. What the heck is that music? My goodness. Let's see if I can still remember how to do this. Good morrow, everyone. This is the other side of midnight. I am Frank Moreno, back after a two-week hiatus. Uh, I was uh, off for a couple of weeks to tend to the birth of my son and the very formative first few days of his existence. They say the first two weeks of a person's existence sets the stage for the rest of their life. So I was uh, trying to be a, a strong fatherly influence for two weeks, and now I'm now I'm back. By the way, uh, what, what that was not the normal top of the hour theme that we have uh, on a three out of every four hours. Matt Blaze, uh, who's in the producer slash engineers chair today, what uh, what what was that? What was that? Well, that was the email. I mean, maybe I was the only one who got the email from the new executive producer well, on the I, other side of the I know I've been off for a little while, but uh, I, I guess I missed that email. Who sent that Who sent that email out? Was it Molly? Was it Matt Meany? Was it Chad? Well, was it our owner, John Katzmatidis? I got an email from the executive producer, Curtis Sliwa. Oh, said he was the other side of midnight. Goodness. The new oh, song is American goodness. Band. That's no, no, no. We got to go back. Should we, we gotta, start over? N- let's start Should over. We go back. Come on. Let's I, go back I, I got to get in the mood. All right, that's what I figured. You have to start from the beginning. Dr. Gil Liederman, people are saying. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Ah, that's better. You feel All better? Right. I feel a lot better. Thank you. It is great to be back. I want to thank all of you that uh, that wrote or sent gifts or just sent a nice word uh, to my wife and my son, Carmine, who was born on Thanksgiving. All very, very blessed. Now, I want to assure you, this is not going to become one of those shows that a lot of other radio people have done throughout the course of their lives where they act as if having a child, no one's ever done it before. And they, they feel the need to explain for four, five, six hours every single day, every nuance, every experience, every moment they've ever had of parenthood. No, we're going to just kind of do a regular radio show. If my son Carmine, who spits up and go uses his diaper just like any other child, if he does something that I think is really worthy of your attention – or something that I think you're going to find amusing, I'll share it with you. But don't worry. It is not going to become wall-to-wall baby talk. I can promise you that. Get, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll parcel it out in small doses. Now, now, 
I want to uh, thank Curtis Lewa for filling in the last two weeks. You know, the, in the words of that great philosopher Pete Townsend, they say nobody appreciates the power of a flame more than someone who has been burned. And I know how difficult it is to do overnights, and I know uh, the struggle involved in overnights. So uh, my thanks to Curtis Lewa. I know a lot of people wrote to me and participated on social media saying they weren't crazy about some of the things that Curtis was saying about me, about uh, my son Carmine. Apparently he claimed at one point that he was 13 pounds. He claimed at another point he was 16 pounds. Um, you got to understand with Curtis, and I've been following Curtis's radio career for three decades, it's all shtick. It's all shtick. It's all meant – it's all in good fun. I don't take any of this personally, so you shouldn't either. Curtis is first and foremost, when he's on the radio, an entertainer. And I think I'm to blame for so many of you taking Curtis seriously because we worked and I was very I was a, a part of Curtis's campaign when he ran for mayor. Uh, we worked very hard to kind of restore his credibility or or get him the kind of credibility as a politician that radio people don't have. But now that Curtis is back on the radio, you can't view him through the same lens as Curtis, the talk show host. It can't be done. But it is great to be back. Uh, I have been thinking long and hard for two weeks about what we would do. And I want to thank as well. Uh, all of the illustrious staff of the other side of midnight, at least four or five people named Matt that work on this show on a regular basis, Ryan, and of course, uh, Molly, who uh, does a great job. And if you think it's difficult to work on this show on a regular basis, magnify that by a factor of a hundred. And that's some, some semblance of what it's like to work under uh, Curtis hosting this show. Uh, having been Curtis's producer in five different time slots at two different radio stations. No, actually, four different radio stations, I can tell you it's no day at the beach. So my thanks to everybody who worked on this show in my absence and kept uh, so much of the audience coming back. So I got to tell you, though, it was I, as much as I enjoyed being home with my son and my wife, it was very difficult to not do this show. This is the longest I have ever not been on the air in 18 years. I, I've never been without a platform to be on the radio for two weeks, at least not in the last 18 years. And it was very frustrating because I'm so accustomed to every thought that I have when you read the paper, when you watch the news, when you observe something, uh, when something happens, when you want to, uh, a story that you want to share. I'm so accustomed to thinking, how is that story going to play out on the radio? How are you going to tell that story on the radio? What kind of music do you use? What kind of sound do you use? And to not have that outlet, it made for a very, very uh, difficult two weeks. So it's great to be back. So I thought long and hard about what I would do as the very first segment back. I thought maybe about inviting Greg Kelly on since he's a, a father – Again, as well, he's had just had a second child, but maybe we could talk about parenting. I thought about inviting Rudy Giuliani on uh, because Rudy Giuliani just uh, had his first grandchild. Thought maybe we could talk about that. And obviously, Rudy Giuliani's a big name that we're blessed to have on the station. And Rudy's a big listener to this show. So I thought maybe that. And then I thought, well, maybe we'll do something fun. Maybe we'll tell some jokes or something. And then I'll be honest, I was looking around. Not only my house, but the neighborhood that I live in. 
and you see wall-to-wall Christmas decorations, right? There's all sorts of Christmas decorations everywhere, and there's Christmas music everywhere. You turn on any channel, there's Christmas movies and Christmas programming, and that's great. Now that we're in the month of December, I'm all about it. I'm all about fully embracing that Christmas spirit. But one of the things that becomes frustrating for a lot of people, and I am vowing not to get suckered in to the rat race, is what is gifts. There's so much pressure to give gifts on Christmas to everybody, parents, siblings, spouses, coworkers. There's so, and, and eventually there, it becomes all about the gifts. And I think that's a real shame. And you realize that when it becomes all about this rat race, of buying gifts, giving gifts, wrapping gifts, 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 that you really lose sight of the reason for the season, as it were. So one thing that I think is actually an incredibly nice and thoughtful gift, not only to give me, but to give anybody, a family member, a friend, and I'm serious about this, not, this is not a joke, this is not Sliwa-style shtick, is to make a charitable contribution in their name. So I thought it might be fun to invite you to, in the name of the holiday season, to share a charity that you think this time of year is worthy of people making a contribution to. I've made a short list, but I'd really love to hear what charity you think people should make a contribution to this season. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It works as a great gift to someone. You can make a charity in their name to a charity they really care about. Or even if you're not doing it as a gift, it's such a nice thing in the spirit of the holiday season rather than waiting online at Walmart or praying that your Amazon Prime membership means that your uh, gift du jour will arrive before Christmas Eve. It's such a nice thing to help out somebody that needs some help. You can even do it anonymously. We always hear these great stories about people putting gold coins in the Salvation Army kettle, for instance, or giving these great anonymous gifts. To, and you know what? Study after study, it's not me saying this, shows that giving really does put you in a better frame of mind. So I'd love to hear a charity that you think is worthy of our listeners' contribution. 800-848-9222. I'm going to make a list. I've got a list of four or five here that I really like, and I'd love to hear yours. doesn't matter what it is. It could be a charity that's uh, designed to, um, I don't know, give hats to the hatless. But if it's a charity that's important to you, we're not going to give you any money, but maybe you'll spark an idea in one of our listeners' brain to show that, you know, maybe that's a charity worthy of their giving. And I know what you think. Boy, that's a lousy gift. If somebody makes a charitable contribution in my name, I mean, that's something out of the Seinfeld playbook and the human. Fund. You got open your mail here? Yeah, at least I'm bringing something to this. You seen me? Nope. Something from Watley. See? You give and you get. This holiday season, a donation has been made in your name 
to the Children's Alliance. Oh, that's nice. I got him Yankee tickets. He got me a piece of paper saying I've given your gift to someone else. To a children's charity. Don't you see how wrong that is? Where's your Christmas spirit? An eye for an eye. Hey. Hey, check this out. I got to give uh, Christmas presents to everyone down at Kruger, so I'm pulling a Watley. A donation has been made in your name to the Human Fund. What is that? Made it up. <laughs> the Human Fund. Money for people. What do you think? It has a certain understated stupidity. So hopefully the charity you suggest will actually be a real charity, not the Human Fund. I know we still have a lot of Curtis Lee fans listening, and I'm sure some people say their charity of choice is the Guardian Angels. And obviously, um, if, if those of you that listen to the Cats Roundtable on Sunday mornings or the Cats at Night show every every weekday at 5 p.m., you know what a special charity the Police Athletic League is to our owner, John Katsimatidis, and his wife, Margot. They put on these great events. They did one with Mayor-elect Eric Adams last week for the Police Athletic League. And I love the Police Athletic League. They do such great work in terms of helping youth not turn towards destructive influences. They love the police athletic league. I used to play baseball in a police athletic league, uh, baseball league at one point as well when I was a child. But uh, a couple of the ones that I really enjoy and that I'd much rather hear yours. One, I am somebody that uh, has had psoriasis. I have psoriasis. And I am a big supporter of the National Psoriasis Foundation. I try and raise them some money every year. I emcee their walk every year, participate in the walk, do some other things. And they are a terrific organization. They do a lot of great work in terms of research. They do a lot of great work in terms of advocacy. Love the National Psoriasis Foundation. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is... An organization that is from God. The Stephen Siller Tunnel to, Tunnel to Towers Foundation is amazing. The work that they do in providing homes for injured and disabled veterans, I don't think there's a worthier case for getting into heaven than what Frank Siller does running this foundation. The work that they do in providing mortgage-free homes to the family members of people killed in combat, I think is amazing. Uh, I'm also a big supporter of the Salvation Army. I love the Salvation Army. I know they've been criticized from time to time. I think they do some great work, and I've been a donor to them, and will be again this year. An organization that you might not be familiar with is a group called Prison Fellowship. And Prison Fellowship was founded, if I'm not mistaken, by Chuck Colson, the Watergate conspirator went to prison and then became a born-again Christian. Prison Fellowship, they are a terrific group that helps the families of those who are incarcerated. We have a lot of incarcerated listeners, and it becomes so tempting to, when someone goes to jail, when someone goes to prison, to think that they no longer exist. Well, the fact of the matter is not only do they exist, but their family members do. And their family members, their children who didn't commit any crime, they're as worthy as any other child of having a good Christmas. So Prison Fellowship helps make that a reality. So those are a few of mine. Tunnel to Towers Foundation, National Psoriasis Foundation, Salvation Army, Prison Fellowship, 
Obviously, you got the Guardian Angels, you got the Police Athletic League. 800-848-9222. I'd love to hear yours. Uh, let me say hello to Elaine in Riverdale. Hello, Elaine. Hi, congratulations on your baby Carmine. Thank you. And I spoke to you like about half an hour on Thanksgiving morning when you were requesting movies to see, and I suggested Pieces of April. Did yeah. you get to see it? No, I was busy. Uh, I was busy in the hospital with what my wife as she was delivering as our son. No, I know you were, but you took a two-week hiatus. I figured the two of you would bond with a Thanksgiving movie over Carmine's nativity. Uh, it's a great movie. Try to check it out over the holidays. By next year, my, I will, Elaine. By next year, I will. And my favorite charity is St. Jude. I love the work they do with babies and families. They are a very caring organization. All right. St. Jude's is a good one. Uh, St. Jude's is a good one. I'm going to put that on our list. St. Jude's is a great one. My friend John is in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Hello, congratulations. I'm glad you're back. Thanks, John. It's great to be and, back. Uh, I enjoyed I, some of your, uh, some of your calls you, in my absence. Carmine and Major are having a good time at home. I've, I've loved seeing those pictures. Thank you. This is uh, probably one of the few shows now that uh, Rachel has to get up every two hours by herself to feed him. This is probably one of the few shows she might be listening to live, whereas usually she listens on the podcast. Okay. Now, my favorite charity is one I think... You've heard of, because you've seen me post about about them, uh, the National Center for Science Education. They were originally founded back in the mid-80s to foster the teaching of evolution in, in public schools around the country and also around the world. But more recently, they've expanded their scope to discuss climate change education and this year, and I think this year is especially important, discuss exactly what science is, discuss the nature of science. So the, gr- the, the group is National Center for Science Education? Right. Oh, so that's great. And so this is a group that is dedicated to the, the, the reproduction of science and uh, repurposing of science and discussing what science is and getting science education more prevalent in schools. Absolutely. And they've won some major legal victories against uh, creationists over the years. Well, it sounds uh, like a uh, very worthwhile organization. Well, nice. th- there you go, John. Sounds like a great group. I appreciate you bringing Can it to Can I give you their attention. website? Yeah, please. Go ahead. Yeah. It's very simple to remember. It's ncse.ngo. NCSE.NGO. Thank you, John. Uh, so we're going into the Christmas season. We're, we're in the Christmas season. We're going into Christmas. I think it's such a nice thing to commemorate Christmas, not only by going to church if you're religious, but even if you're secular. I think it's a great thing for Christmas to be a time of charity. And so I'd love to hear from you your suggestion for the next couple of minutes of what charity you think is worthy of our listeners' time, because sometimes time can be even more valuable than money, and what, what's worthy of their money. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Pete on Staten Island. Hello, Pete. Hey, Frank. Welcome back and congratulations. It's great to be uh, back. Like, Thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, and at least 
Maybe, hopefully, if you take the express bus, you might catch some Z's. You know, that's a guarantee. <laughs> and the uh, thing is, with the charities, you know my favorite charities, and you named them in the order. You know, not that they're in any order. Salvation Army, uh, Stiller Foundation, and the Psoriasis. And I'll add one more, the uh, Red Cross. Well, that's now, uh, yeah, yeah, I know the Red Cross has been, at least nationally, criticized for mismanagement and some other things. I know that's a few years old, but uh, you think they're still a pretty good organization? Well, they have, They helped me in 96. I had a house fire, lost totally everything. Wow. And it was on Christmas Eve, and uh, they were there for me. They were there for my wife. My daughter was six years old. Wonderful. They, they were wonderful. And... Uh, Salvation Army, I had a little, not a, there's no such thing as a little, I had a drug problem and alcohol. I still able to drink, but the, the drug problem has been solved for 40 years. Well, so, if, I, uh, thank God for that, Pete. There, and there you go. You're doing a great job paying it forward. So we got, uh, we'll put the Red Cross on our list as well. All right. So if you have a charity, especially, you know what I like about John's charity? National Center for Science Education. Now, you can like them, you can dislike them, but it's one that I don't think a lot of people would have immediately thought of. And whereas a lot of the other ones that I mentioned, some of the ones that Pete mentioned, they those are charities that you tend to think of right away. Everyone thinks of Salvation Army, and with good reason. They do some great work, especially you'll see them in here in Manhattan and elsewhere ringing their bells and the people dressed as Santa. But if there's a charity that people may not know about or a cause they may not immediately think of, but if someone's looking to volunteer this holiday season or give 100 bucks to something, maybe there's something that uh, you think is worthy of their attention, let us know. And uh, if you really look at what's happening in this country economically, you see it's a pretty bleak picture. Do you see the front page of, I think it was Saturday's New York Post, inflation is out of control. I was saying that inflation was at a 30-year high, and that's certainly true. I was saying that uh, the Thanksgiving meals that people paid for this year were the most expensive ever. That's true. But what's even more sadly true is that it only seems to be getting worse. So what can you do about it? Whether you're interested in making money or having money to provide for your own family or you're interested in making charitable contributions to somebody else, you really need to think about gold and other precious metals, because gold is a hedge against inflation. So if your money is sitting in a traditional retirement account, it is getting eaten away right under your nose, and that's where gold and precious metals come in. Gold and precious metals go up in value the less the dollar is worth. Inflation goes up, the price of gold goes up even more. It outpaces inflation. That is a historical fact. You can look it up. And so that's why gold should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio. And that's why you might want to think about, if you have an existing retirement account, think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA. And if you do it, do it with Legacy Precious Metals because these guys are the real experts. Legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. Contact Legacy Precious Metals today. Call 866-932-0635. Let me give you that number again, 866-932-0635. Or you can visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. W-A-B-C.
Dr. Gil Lederman, people were saying, that Lederman guy, do you think he could do something for me? And I'd say, yeah, you go for him. We see many people with cancer in whom standard radiation, chemo, or surgery just didn't work. Dr. Gil, how's radio surgery different? Radio surgery is highly precise, non-invasive treatment that usually works even if standard radiation, chemo, or surgery didn't work or isn't tolerated. With radio surgery, I'm not going to be crashing like after chemotherapy. Usually radio surgery is very well tolerated. And the alternative to going under the knife. Yes, there's often non-invasive options like radio surgery. This is Curtis Lee. Dr. Gil Lederman is the go-to guy whenever it is an issue involving cancer. I know so because I've gone for my father, other family members. So put yourself in the hands of Dr. Gil Lederman for your cancer treatment. That's 212 Choices, 212 Choices, 212 Choices. Dr. Lederman, first in America, accept no imitation. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Dominic Carter. Entertaining and informative. An actor from the TV show Empire told Chicago police that he was attacked by two men who shouted pro-Trump slogans. And it's got to be a plot that only could be thought up in Hollywood, a TV show. It's disgusting what he did. There has to be consequences. Dominic Carter. Weeknights at midnight. Just before every other side of midnight. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You're hearing things. You're hearing things. On 77 WABC. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself. The great Frank Sinatra. You know, Christmas. Bing Crosby so often gets attention and recognition for being the voice of Christmas. But Frank Sinatra has some great Christmas music. Yesterday, of course, was Frank Sinatra's birthday, and we celebrated it in a big way here at this radio station and in the community of New York and New Jersey in general. They unveiled, along with um, Frank's daughter, Tina, a new statue of Frank Sinatra in Hoboken, New Jersey yesterday, an area that he was from, Frank Sinatra was from, and that still, so many years later, has so many great stories of people that knew the Sinatra family growing up. And we had gavel-to-gavel coverage of that here on this radio station. And what was really neat is uh, my friend Joe Piscopo, who I worked with for six and a half years, he was he always does the Sundays with Sinatra program from uh, 7 to 9, does a great job. And yesterday, they did a whole event at Patsy's Restaurant here in Midtown Manhattan. I love Patsy's Restaurant. First of all, if you've never been, it's a great restaurant. Check it out. It's not to be confused with Patsy's Pizzeria, which is also great. But it's a wonderful restaurant that Sinatra used to go to. 
And I remember listening one time to Patsy's grandson, who uh, runs the restaurant now, and uh, still has a great cookbook with all sorts of recipes from his grandfather, tell a story about how when Frank Sinatra was at a nadir in his career, um, in fact, I should have invited Patsy on today. I didn't think. Uh, I should have done that. But maybe we'll get him on later in the week. Uh, Patsy's grandson, rather, uh, Sal. Sal was telling a story about how Sinatra, when he was at a nadir in his career, he would come to Patsy's every day, and he was at a low point. He was depressed. He was having a tough time relationship-wise. And the only thing he really had at this point was Patsy's, the restaurant. He would go there every day. And as he's leaving the restaurant for the day, he says to Patsy, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. Now, Patsy didn't have the heart to tell him that the next day, tomorrow, was Thanksgiving. Sinatra was so screwed up, so depressed, so lonely, he didn't even recognize that tomorrow was Thanksgiving Day. So you know what Patsy did? Patsy, and I didn't hear Joe mention this today. I'm sure Joe knows this story. But Patsy had all the restaurant staff. He said to them all, everybody bring your families to the restaurant tomorrow. We're all going to have Thanksgiving dinner here. So that Sinatra could come there and think they were actually open to the public, which they weren't. So... Um, Patsy's and the and the Sinatra family have a long, long history, and it was great to see and hear Joe Piscopo uh, at Patsy's yesterday, along with so many from our radio station, our owner, obviously, John Katsimatidis, our president, Chad Lopez, Lydia Serrani was there. I know Bo Deedle, who's a regular contributor to the Bernie and Sid show. I know he was there. I thought I saw our chief counsel, Emily Penko, was there as well. So you can probably go to WABCRadio.com. I don't know if the podcast is up yet, but I imagine it probably is. And uh, you might even be able to go see some of the video uh, that I was watching at WABCRadio.tv of a wonderful event that they had at uh, at Patsy's yesterday in honor of Sinatra's birthday. And I, I can't believe it took them this long. 23 years after he's dead or 20 yeah, – I'm not great with arithmetic – but for him to get a statue in Hoboken, New Jersey, I would have thought he would have had a statue in, po- in Hoboken 40 or 50 years ago. You know, I don't know what it is about Frank Sinatra. And this is the last thing I'll say because I don't want to do a sequel to the Sinatra show because we've got a great show coming up for you. We're going to cover everything from from Russia to cream cheese to politics to aliens. You name it. We're going to cover it all. But Sinatra not only is a great talent. Because there's a lot of great talents, a lot of great singers over the years. Sinatra was able to do what so few in entertainment are able to do. If you're able to make it in in entertainment and have a, a really lucky enough to have a hit song or a hit movie or a, a hit book or a hit television show or a hit radio show, that is the equivalent of winning the lottery. It is so difficult. It is so it is almost impossible. Nobody that would ever seek to do this um, has a brain because the probability of success is minute. But to have the level of success that Frank Sinatra had in entertainment for decades, to have that kind of success and longevity, that's the equivalent of winning the lottery while getting struck by lightning. 
it is so incredibly rare to have that kind of longevity and success in longevity in the field of entertainment. Now, hit music, Sinatra had it. Hit radio show, Sinatra did it. Television, Sinatra did it. Sinatra did everything you can do in entertainment. And he did it for a long time. There'll never be another. I'll tell you that. Now, uh, I began the show by saying that I thought it would be fun, and I mean that sincerely. I do think this is fun, learning about different charities and learning about different causes that are important to people. For people that are looking to make a contribution this holiday season, either as a gift to someone or just to be charitable, because when you start having holidays that have Christ in them, maybe they think about what's going to get them closer to heaven. I thought it would be fun for people to share what their favorite charity is. And if people are looking for an idea for who to give their money to this Christmas season, maybe you have one. Maybe it's the Guardian Angels. Maybe it's the Police Athletic League. Maybe it's the Salvation Army. Maybe it's uh, the National Psoriasis Foundation. Maybe it's the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. I'd love to hear yours. And as I was preparing to do this, I got an email here from a friend of mine who of, of, of the significant other of a friend of mine. And she is undergoing chemo and she's, you know, having a, a, a di- difficult time. And thankfully, she's home and she's in remission. But she's in need of a bone marrow transplant. And that reminded me of another great two ways that you can be charitable. Right now, there is an urgent need for blood donations, not only in New York and New Jersey, but around the country, and uh, especially for platelets. This is something that almost everybody can do. It's something that takes a little bit of time and a little bit of blood, and it doesn't cost you anything. And that's a great way that you can help a lot of people. Bone marrow donations are a little bit more difficult. Those do take a little bit of a toll on the um, donor. I have never been a bone marrow donor, but I'm in the registry. And uh, a lot of times you can try to be a a bone marrow donor by offering to be in the registry. And if you find that you're a match for somebody, you can help save someone's life. So that's another great way to be charitable, a great two ways, blood donor and including blood platelets and bone marrow donor. Uh, 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Eddie in Ocean County. Hello, Eddie. Hi, Frank. Welcome back. Great to be back. Thanks, Eddie. I missed you like crazy. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I want to ask you if, if your son still weighs 13 pounds. I told my mother how much he weighed. She said she never heard of thing. Well, again, as I said at the beginning of the show and on Curtis's show, he never weighed 13 pounds. He was born, he weighed 6 pounds, 2 ounces, and then by the time he got to his first pediatrician appointment, he was down to 6 pounds. But uh, as of our last uh, appointment a few days ago, he was 6 pounds, 12 ounces. Oh, wow. Uh... Anyway, my favorite charities, I, I, I enjoy giving to political campaigns and political candidates because I, I feel like that's, uh, you know, one way. To, it's sort of like giving charity to, to America, to your country. You know, America doesn't have their own charity, but you could give to campaigns of candidates you think will better the country, and that's, 
I think that's a good charity. Well, you know, Eddie, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. Um, the one of the reasons that I do like to, uh, I, I've historically promoted nonprofit groups is because you get to enjoy the tax deduction. But now with tax reform, it doesn't make sense for most people to itemize their tax deductions anyway. Uh, you don't get the tax deduction for giving to political charities. There are to uh, political campaigns. There are a lot of sort of political. Um, groups that are nonprofit groups. Uh, I know uh, a lot of our listeners are big supporters of James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Uh, they're a nonprofit. You get the tax deduction for giving to them. Uh, the Free and Equal Foundation is a group that I really like. Uh, Fairvote.org. That's another group that I really like. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, that, that's so important. And, um, I'm struck by two things based on what you said. One, whereas rank and file Americans do give a lot of money to charity. They, for the most part, don't give money to political campaigns. The overwhelming majority of political campaign contributions in this country are made by a minuscule portion of the electorate. So what happens? Every politician that runs for office, they try to cater to that portion of the electorate that gives those contributions. You have to think that if more Americans were giving contributions, maybe you'd see politicians in both parties or all parties try to uh, try to reach out more to the masses, try to invoke policies, try to implement policies that were conducive to the will of the majority rather than the will of the select few that are funding these campaigns. The one thing that gives me pause, though, in terms of advocating for political contributions uh, around the holiday season is that I've worked on a lot of political campaigns and I see how often these political contributions that people give in some forms, 10, 15, 20 dollars, how often they're wasted by campaigns on high priced consultants or uh, these glossy mailers. And I feel like a lot of times, you know, you'll give a contribution to a candidate or a cause that you really believe in. And I see those uh, those contributions go to six figure political consultants. But it's something that we're thinking about, Eddie. Thanks for the call. And uh, I appreciate uh, the nice words. 800-848-9222. Mary is in Brooklyn. Hello, Mary. Hi. So nice to hear your voice on the radio. Oh, thanks, Welcome Mary. Back. It's great to be back. Thank you. So every year I give to um, DAV, which is Disabled American Veterans. My father was wounded twice in World War II. Oh, boy. And um, to the MS, National MS Society. Well, that's uh, that's great. You know, I have uh, a family member that has MS, and I know the difficulties that he's gone through. And I have a very close friend that has uh, MS, and I know how difficult that is for her. So, God, well, God bless you for doing both. I have of those MS things. also, but I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, is the, what's the best way to contribute uh, for all those tornado victims? In the Midwest. Well, that is such a good question. Uh, the short answer is I don't know. However, usually the uh, I know uh, uh, the Red Cross usually comes through in areas like that. Salvation Army a lot of the times comes through uh, when it comes to disasters like that. I don't know what specific efforts are are under underway now, but I will find out, uh, Mary, and I'll report back either later in the show or this time tomorrow, because I'm so glad that you asked that. And thanks for the call, Mary, because one of the things that we so often see 
is that when there's a tsunami in Indonesia or there's an earthquake in Japan or there's uh, some natural disaster in whatever, some far-flung portion of the world, Americans rush to give all sorts of money. And as we should, because America, in spite of the bad image that some try and uh, create of the people that live here, Americans are an incredibly generous people. But sometimes we forget to look after our neighbors. And a lot of times we don't necessarily always immediately keep in mind that there are a lot of Americans that need help as we rush to give contributions to other parts of the country. And uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't, uh, other parts of the world, rather. I'm not saying we shouldn't give money to places like Indonesia and Japan and you name it. But there's a lot of people that could use your help right now who are victims of these tornadoes. I don't know what these specific groups are going are doing. Uh, if somebody knows, you're welcome to contribute. I'll look into that and we'll report back on that a little bit later. 800-848-9222. Rosemary is in Westchester. Hello, Rosemary. Hello, thank you, Frank. First, I have to say what I have to say, and then I have a little question, if you don't sure, mind. Sure, go ahead. I was thinking of um, if I was telling your screen, nice screener that if you give to like um, a large organization, well known like Humane Society, if you like animals, mm-hmm. that's fine, and the ASPCA. But there are smaller groups that run virtually on a shoestring, and they could always use. Beside money, you know, always money is useful, but contributions like something for the office, like office supplies, stamps, dog, cat food, like that. I um, He asked me, you guys specifically, I um, contributed to the uh, Putnam Humane Society. It's a little dry from where I live, but um, they work so hard. They're all volunteers, and they could always – little places that you vet out could always use your help. That, that's a just great a one, Rosemary, and I'll just add, and I'm an animal lover as well, uh, the uh, North Shore Animal League out on Long Island does a mm-hmm. lot of great work for animals as well. I believe my wife is a regular contributor to the uh, North Shore Animal League. And can I ask one question, and then I'll let you go? Sure. How are the kitty? How are the kitties getting along with little Carmine? Uh, you know what? So how far, they, how did they take the new arrival? Uh, huh? You know what? So far, so good. Uh, the cats, good. the cats have expressed some curiosity around uh, around the baby. They get close to him, including uh, Prissy, who is usually not that friendly with humans. She gets pretty close to him. Nobody's tried to scratch him. Thankfully, nobody. They try to. They tend to keep their distance. Melchizedek, when the baby starts. It's crying. He uh, he then he gets a little spooked. But uh, for the most part, they uh, they are doing pretty well. So I appreciate you asking, Rosemary. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. I'll tell you, young Carmine is a pretty well behaved child. But every once in a while, he does do his fair share of crying. This is actual audio from crying. Poor kid. I feel like I, I I feel guilty being here at work. I want to go home and take care of him when I when I hear him crying like this. Uh, but um, as I understand it, most babies cry because they you know because they that's how they communicate. They can't say, "Oh, excuse me, mother, would you uh, mind giving me some uh, some milk?" No, they they cry. That's the only way of communicating they have. But um, it is it is interesting 
how your perspective on things change. You know, you hear all these stories about babies getting taken at the hospital, getting switched at the hospital. And so right after young Carmine was born, he was born at Richmond University Medical Center. Huge thank you, by the way, to the great staff at that hospital. Uh, really just incredible people from the CEO, Dan Messina, on down. Um, really a wonderful, wonderful group of people. But um, after Carmine was born, they moved my wife to another room. And Carmine didn't have any tags or anything on him, no ID. And so neither my wife or I said anything, but neither of us wanted to let this baby out of our sight when he was first born. So I grab all my wife's things. She had a, an overnight bag packed and her jacket. She gave birth 9, 11 p.m. on Thanksgiving. Her water broke in the morning for around 4, 35 o'clock in the morning. And then she ultimately gave birth around 9, 11 that night. So I grab her stuff and I just follow my son because I was not going to let him out of out of my sight. So they, they're taking him to this room where he's going to get weighed and everything. And I'm still holding all my wife's things. And she said, the nurse that was going to weigh him, she said, all right, your wife's right in that room over there. You could put her stuff down. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I'll be right here. I'll be right here. I'm not going to do anything. You can go and put put her stuff down and come back. So I do that. So I go and put her, you know, put my wife's stuff in her room. And my wife says to me, and I could tell she was thinking the same thing I am. That you don't want to, we didn't want this kid out of our sight. She says to me, um, what, where, where are they doing with Carmine? Where are they taking Carmine? I said, they're weighing him. He's going to be right over there. I'm going in there. She said, yeah, go in, go in, go in. So I go in there. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed in there at this point, but I go in there and I'm, I'm with the baby and everything and he gets weighed and everything. And it's all good. And that was day one of his existence. Day two the kid is crying up a storm. He needs to be fed. And now they keep you, they keep the baby in the room with you. So this was day two of his existence. He's crying and my wife is just exhausted, exhausted. And uh, I really want her to get some sleep so she can heal. I mean, you know, she's sore. She just gave birth. So uh, everybody in the run up to her giving birth Loves to give advice, solicited, unsolicited. And one of the things that uh, that they tell you, it's in books, people told us anecdotally, is if you need time away from the baby for a little while, don't feel guilty if, you know, the mother needs to sleep. So I wanted my wife to get some sleep. And at this point, Carmine's got tags and everything on him. So um, she said, I, you know, he's crying like crazy. You know, you got to. I need a little bit of sleep. She said, can you talk to the nurses about getting him, you know, getting them to look after him for a little while? So I go to the nurse's station and the nurses were super nice. I go to the nurse's station. I said, you know, I'm sorry. I really would like my wife to sleep for an hour or two. And is there any way that you could take the baby to the nursery and keep him there for a little while? And the one nurse says to me, I'm sorry, we don't have a nursery. The rule is now you have to keep the baby with you in your room. Forget what they call it, onboarding or something. And they said, no. And so I, I go back to my wife's room and I tell her this and she just turns white because she now knows that means she's going to be getting no sleep for the rest of the evening. No sleep. So then, like an angel from heaven, 
another nurse comes to our room and she says, hey, I'm sorry, I wasn't there when you asked that other nurse about taking the baby. She said, uh, this new nurse, the second nurse, the nurse said, we can take him. We'll, we'll look after him for a little while. And the relief that that provided us when they were willing to look after him for an hour. They wheeled him over to the nurse's station. They looked after him. And so I said to my wife and other people repeatedly, I said, what a difference a day makes. The first day that he was alive, neither of us wanted him out of our sight for even 10 seconds. And then the second day, we're literally begging perfect strangers whose names we don't know and who we've never met before to take him for whatever amount of time they're willing to take him. I guess that's what parenthood is all about. I'll tell you, one of the areas that I am uh, very proud of my son is that uh, he has had very regular bowel movements. Oh, yes, he has. Now, maybe that's not you. Maybe you've been a little stuffed up, a little constipated. If that's you, then I do recommend that you try GetTheTea.com. It's a great product called Life Change Tea. You can only get it at GetTheTea.com. It's a wonderful product that is a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. Stress can wreak havoc on our digestive tract. And if you feel bloated and stopped up, that's not good for you. And that's where Life Change Tea can help. It's all natural. It's non-GMO. One package will last you an entire month. Life Change Tea is only available by logging on to the website, getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. And if you use the promo code FRANK, you'll get to enjoy free shipping anywhere in these United States. It's getthetea.com, promo code FRANK. It's time to feel relief. While you're there, check out all their other great products designed for your optimum health. Don't miss out. Life Change Tea at getthetea.com. It is the tea that makes you go. WABC. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect the policies or positions of WABC Radio, its management, or its sponsors. Gold and silver prices are at an all-time high. If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin Mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, or any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sports and entertainment memorabilia, Watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Bulgari, just to name a few. They will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition, even broken. They also need any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Bouchelotti, Van Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City, across from Carnegie Hall. They can also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. That's 212-246-2000. Or toll free at 1-800-772-0054. So what everybody's talking about, talking about Judge Janine Pirro. Sunday morning at 11. It's the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. Judge Janine Hero. Hero. On 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. Where the action is. 
are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Yes! Hey, Jingity Jing! It's Dominic the Donkey! Jingity Jing! The Italian Christmas Donkey! La 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 Santa's got a little friend, his name is Dominic! The cutest little donkey, you never see him kick. Ah, uh, the great Lou Monty singing Dominic, Dominic the Donkey, an instant classic. I love Dominic the Donkey. I love the story. I love the song. Jiggity jig, it's Dominic the Donkey. It's great. Love it. One of the, now you know it's Christmas that we're playing Dominic the Donkey. All right. Um, this is the other side of midnight. Uh, getting your suggestions of charities that you'd like our listeners to keep in mind. I got one email here from a gentleman. Uh, shame on me for not mentioning this because I love the work that this charity does. And it's absolutely one that should be on my list. The Innocence Project. I love The Innocence Project. The Innocence Project does some great work in terms of getting guilty people, excuse me, innocent people out of prison. And this other listener also mentions the Center for Inquiry, CFI, which is a nonprofit that works to mitigate belief in pseudoscience and the paranormal. Speaking of the paranormal, we are going to talk aliens in the two o'clock hour. You know, one of our great listeners is the first lady of our radio station, Margot Katsimatidis, and she knows I'm into aliens and everything. And she said, hey, you know, maybe one of the shows that you could check out occasionally is Ancient Aliens. So I was... uh, Sitting with Carmine um, at some point over the last two weeks, and I think it was the History Channel, they had a marathon of ancient aliens. I was so into this show. Then they had one episode, William Shatner meets ancient aliens. I mean, you talk about great. And they had all sorts of great people. And one of the people that they talked about and that's featured in one of the shows is Larry Holcomb, who's written a book about UFOs and the presidents. And I was hooked uh, on this episode of Ancient Aliens. So I invited Larry on. He's going to join us next hour. We're going to talk about that. And then uh, we're going to talk with Vladimir Posner in the 3 o'clock hour about the tensions that are escalating with Russia, with Ukraine, and whether we could see a war with Russia over a possible invasion and what that might mean for you. Uh, but meantime, I'd love to hear a couple more charities that you like. We'll do a few more of these, and then we'll move on to some other things. 800-848-9222. Alina is in Teaneck. Hello, Alina. Hello, Mr. Morano. Blessings to your new family. Thank you very much. Uh, I have a suggestion. First of all, gift-giving during this season actually started with a person or person per, person that lived anciently, and that was St. Nicholas. Mm. He gave a gift of love, a gift of care, and a gift of kindness for very many years to very many people. So uh, right now we have a little different style of gift-giving, but that is the original gift-giving around Christmas time. Um, that, that's where it started. So in in that realm of thinking, if everyone just went to any house of worship that they feel like 
and give first a prayer for anyone that they think they can offer a few thoughts and a prayer, and then maybe help the house of worship. Well, hey, that's a great idea, Alina. Thank you very much. And it's interesting, when I was at the Vatican about two years ago, there's all sorts of wonderful history at the Vatican, even if you're not into the religious overtones. As a, as a, as a, if you're interested in history, I mean, I don't think there are more places w- that provide a greater historical education than the Vatican. And they have depictions of many of the previous popes. And what I did not know is that years ago, a couple of thousand years ago, Maybe less than that. Actually, uh, I'll, to, I'll go back and look at the timeline, but n- not quite a thousand. Maybe six, five or six hundred years ago, all the pope. I'm not joking when I tell you this. All the popes dressed like Saint Nicholas. They all dressed like Santa Claus. I mean, they didn't have the uh, the 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 red hats and the red uh, the red suit like you see, but they did have a similar outfit to what Saint Nicholas wore, and that's why. That that's the depiction of St. Nicholas that stayed with us. It's that's true. I did not know that. I thought my tour guide was pulling my leg. But no, I sure enough, I researched it. And it doesn't look like Santa Claus on the Coca-Cola bottle, but it does look like some classic depictions of St. Nicholas. Let me say hello to Al here in Manhattan. Hello, Al. Mr. Reno, you're back. I'm back. Thank you. You're like opening day, like that first spring day, that Memorial Day. Everything's right now with the world after midnight. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Listen, um, uh, I want to bring awareness to uh, the FOF. They're in Piscataway, uh, New Jersey, and they're always looking for donations, you know, for alternate uh, Christmas celebrations. What, what's FOF? What is uh, that? Oh, that's the Friends of Festivus. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with that. They're looking for people that don't have uh, – Aluminum poles, you know, to celebrate. I walked into know. that one, Al. I walked into that one. The Friends of Festivus. God, God bless. Listen, I'm glad you're back. May, may I just uh, uh, just say one thing for your caller at 3 o'clock, I guess. I don't know if it's pre-taped or not. About Putin. Um, no, it's not. It's Vladimir Posner. He'll be here at 3.30, yes. Okay, if you got a minute, I'll give you a quick, real quick story. We have about 48 it's, seconds. Go ahead. 48 seconds. Here it goes. At the fall of the wall... Uh, Putin was uh, the the uh, director of the embassy in Berlin, and he noticed all these guys are coming around. The wall is down. He calls back Moscow. He says, what do I do? They said, burn everything. He kept burning every piece of paper having to do with anything until the stove literally broke. He got in his Lada, which is like a little Fiat uh, knockoff, and his prized possession was a washing machine that all the way back to St. Petersburg, right? Then, this is the sad thing, this is a true story, he actually had to drive cab for a while, you know, took a second job as that, but uh, I don't think that we are going to go to... Uh, be Al, Al thank you, we, we will look into that and we'll, we'll, we'll work to dispel some of the other misinformation that's out there. Until next hour, help control the pet population, make sure you get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morrow, 
everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Thrilled to be back. And I always like to put a positive spin on what's happening. I've always uh, kept in mind that uh, this is a medium that's supposed to be entertaining, supposed to be fun. In fact, I'll never forget, uh, I was running around with, um, this is maybe 16 years ago, maybe 17 years ago. I was out on the town with um, uh, Mark Simone when he and I were, were pretty good friends. And uh, we were out at a bar, and Mark was not and is not a big drinker, so he was drinking a Coca-Cola. I was having a martini, and I asked him, and I was a very eager student of everything that Mark uh, had to say about radio, because nobody knows radio better than Mark Simone. I asked Mark, I said, Mark, what is the, what's the key to making it in radio? What, what is the key? What, what's the magic bullet? And I, I'm sitting there ready to memorize anything he says. And Mark says, well, you just got to be entertaining on the radio. Simple as that. And you know what? Mark was absolutely right. And that really is the key to being uh, successful on the radio is just be entertaining on the radio. But there are, unfortunately, some very, very serious stories that are worthy of our attention. These are very trying times. In this country and, quite frankly, in this world. And there are a lot of people that are suffering. And there is something that is no joke. We are in the midst of a full-fledged crisis. first time I've gotten a comment on this. It was in the news while I was away. But I will be focusing on this every day. So we will call this day one of a saga that has gripped the nation. We are in the midst of day one, America held hostage, the cream cheese shortage. Have you seen this I'm sure you've seen it. We are in the midst of a cream cheese shortage right now. And this has gone from something that was a little inconvenient to a full-fledged crisis. There is no cream cheese in our house right now. No cream cheese. We've had all sorts of guests over the last two weeks. People have been bringing bagels. We're not able to offer them cream cheese. Uh, Junior's Cheesecake. For the first time in their 71-year history, they had to halt production on cheesecake because of this cream cheese shortage. Now, there, there are a number of reasons for this. Some of it has to do with, believe it or not, a cyber attack. Now, who are these animals that would actually cyber attack and hack a cream cheese supplier? I mean, is nothing sacred for these hackers? To go after cream cheese, that's outrageous. Bagel stores are in full-fledged crisis mode. Junior's Cheesecake. I don't understand it. It's terrible. Part of this has to do with the broader supply chain problems the whole country is dealing with. This is a crisis. Cream cheese shortage, America held hostage, day one. So every day we're going to try and focus on different ways to help you cope 
to help you get through this cream cheese shortage because I know a lot of you are suffering. And we're going to work work our way through this together. We're going to get through this together. United we stand against this cream cheese shortage. Now, for starters, and I'm going to come up with different solutions, and hopefully you'll come up with different solutions, and we'll work on this together, and we'll offer support. And I'm going to do different things here, and I've already got a lot of ideas. And I'm looking for a charity that can help provide cream cheese Two needy families around the country who may have no cream cheese this year. Can you imagine that? Christmas without cream cheese? So, for instance, whenever there – sometimes success, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. You know, in colonial times – I think I've talked about this before. You know what, uh, you know what Americans drank in colonial times? They drank tea. Just like their cousins and their ancestors in England, they drank tea until they put a tax on tea. Americans stopped drinking tea en masse, and they made the most of what they had. They started drinking coffee. Coffee. Coffee was their solution to the scarcity of tea. Coffee. That's why coffee is so big here. Um, you know what was also taxed and had a similar problem? Rum. Rum was prevalent on the continent. So Americans in colonial times stopped drinking rum. I mean, they drank it, but they didn't drink it en masse as they had. Instead, they said, all right, well, let's look around here. What do we have that we can make alcohol out of? They found corn and they started making bourbon and whiskey. Bourbon and the prevalence of whiskey in this continent emerged largely because of the scarcity of rum. So if you have different ways of, I don't know, dealing with this cream cheese crisis, let us know. 800-848-9222. My wife, for instance, she's a very resourceful woman, and she did something that I thought was very interesting, and I've heard of other people do this. We had bagels on – what day was yesterday? We had bagels on Saturday. My mother brought in bagels and my wife, very cognizant of the cream cheese shortage, she did something very interesting. She took her everything bagel and she put another substance on it. She put butter on it. Put butter on it instead of cream cheese. So you can substitute cream cheese – um, you can substitute other things depending on what you use the cream cheese for. I met a family at the grocery store when I was cashing in some cans and bottles recently. I met a family at the grocery store that said that they were um, always a big part of their Christmas tradition was baking a cheesecake together. But they couldn't do it this year because of the cream cheese shortage. So what are they doing? They're making they made chocolate chip cookies instead. So there are alternative activities that you can do. So if you have a suggestion for something that people, you know, I used to put cream cheese in my my, uh, omelets that I'd make for some people sometimes. So you can't do that anymore. I'm looking for other alternative ingredients to that. So if you have a way that people can cope with this, hopefully this is a short-term problem, not a long-term problem, a way that people can deal with this cream cheese crisis Give us a call, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. In the meantime, you know who's got to step up to the plate here? Joe Biden. 
the president of the United States, Joe Biden. And I hate to be one of these guys that runs to government to uh, solve whatever problem we have. But we really need the president to release the strategic cream cheese reserve. And I realize that the strategic cream cheese reserve is something that is primarily reserved for times of war and times of crisis. This is a time of crisis. If we're not going to release the strategic cream cheese reserve right now, then I don't know when we're going to do it. So I realize economists may say otherwise. We need to release the strategic cream cheese reserve. I've tweeted uh, that the president should do that. If you're behind that idea, you can go to my Twitter, at Frank Morano, and retweet me. And hopefully we can get some momentum going here to get the president to release this strategic cream cheese reserve. I have... Some other thoughts on this uh, that I'm going to share with you tomorrow and in the coming days and weeks. Hopefully this is a short-term crisis, not a long-term crisis, but we'll see. 800-848-9222, the cream cheese crisis, day one. Jeannie is in Queens. Hello, Jeannie. Hello. Hello, Frank. How are you? I'm great. Congratulations on your lovely baby. Thank you so much. To you and Rachel. Thank you. Okay, so I think that ricotta cheese would be a good thing to use if this does not extend to all cheeses, if it's just only a cream cheese specifically, because ricotta is kind of sweet and it's a little bit spreadable, and even sour cream would be very good, and also... Um, it doesn't sound like it would make sense, but mozzarella or provolone melted a little bit on the bagel would be very delicious. All right. Well, hey, uh, you know what? The, I like that. You know, Italian cheesecake is primarily rigotta. I actually, uh, I mean, I actually like that Italian cheesecake. It's not necessarily as sweet yeah. as regular cheesecake, and uh, I think rigotta is a good substitute. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jeannie. You're very Eight, welcome. Appreciate it. Help. Uh, thank you for helping us get through this crisis. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The cream cheese crisis. We're going to get through this together with the help of people like Tom in the Bronx. Hello, Tom. Yeah. How about peanut butter on your bagel with jam? Or well, molasses is good, too. I like to put peanut butter and then molasses on the peanut butter. That's nice. Well, I like peanut butter a lot. Uh, I don't know if peanut butter would go with, say, uh, um, I don't know, a, uh, a a a a sesame bagel or a uh, or or a, or a salt bagel as well. But I guess different strokes for different folks. The problem with molasses, Tom, is it's just too slow. It's just too slow. You need something that's as fast as cream cheese. Molasses doesn't do it. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight. WABC, the cream cheese crisis. Uh, let me say hello to uh, a man who's a professional in this regard, Ed the Milkman, calling from New Jersey. Ed actually is a milkman. Ed, this must be a very trying uh, experience for you. I hope you're doing okay. Well, this has been going on for uh, probably the last six or seven weeks. We've been having a lot of trouble getting uh, cream cheese. Of course, uh, um, our customers look at us like it's our fault. Well, yeah, Ed, why did you understand it? Why did you not bring this to our attention earlier? I didn't think it would. I thought it would get. You know, the situation would just. You know. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Now, have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, is this uh, worse than the cream cheese crisis of uh, of '76, for instance? Um. 
I think you're going to see more shortages on dairy products because we're still having trouble getting enough heavy cream, you know, all the restaurants and, um, you know, even people with bacon and everything at home. So between half and half and heavy cream, it's, uh, it's been pretty challenging for the last three months. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, that's the next thing we should be on the lookout for, uh, half and half. Are we going to see people hoarding half and half? Uh, I don't know if they're going to hoard it, but it's, you know, I was in a supermarket the other day and they had a sign up. Sorry, no half and half. Oh, wow. These are these are the times that try men's souls. That's for sure. 800-848-WABC. Chris is in Ozone Park. Hello, Chris. Hi. Hi. Hi, Frank. Um, listen, I, I I don't have any trouble getting um, cream cheese at my local stop and shop. Oh, in Ozone, really? Ozone Park. Are you a member of the one percent, Chris? Do you have like a concierge shopper that that shops for you? Is that how you're able to still get access to cream cheese? <laughs> no, no. But I, t- tonight I bought two containers of it. I didn't have any problem. Well, but you can't be hoarding, Chris. There's people out there that are suffering <laughs> with no cream cheese. You're sitting there with two cream cheeses. Yeah, it's like the toilet paper. And I know, and I know. Beginning. You're going to be demonized like Albert Brooks in that season premiere of Curb Your Enthusiasm when he's COVID hoarding. You can't be cream cheese hoarding. You can't do it. You're going to be judged. Now the audience is already judging you, Chris. Uh, heaven for! I hope you're not using your real name out there in Ozone Park because people are going to start. There's going to be cream cheese related hate crimes all over Queens. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. What was what? Oh, you, uh, you. Well, I mean, I I said an hour and fifteen minutes worth of things. I don't know what specifically. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. Let me say hello to. Um, let me say hello to Debbie in Cranford, New Jersey. Hello, Debbie. Hi. Um, I'm. Wondering if people would enjoy cottage cheese on bagels and toast because um, cream cheese and cottage cheese taste similar. You know, uh, the, I, I love cottage cheese. I eat cottage cheese every day. I'm certainly up for trying that. I uh, I think the issue you might have there, uh, cottage cheese I could see being a better substitute for rigata cheese than cream cheese. Cream cheese has such a different constituent um, consistency. I mean, maybe if you're talking whipped cream cheese, it's a uh, it's similar to cottage cheese, but I don't see it being um, I don't see it being a perfect substitute. But you're right, Debbie. We have to we all have to adjust at the time at this time. These are the these are the times that try men's souls, or at least men's bagels. Um, hey, we'll talk a little bit about the governor's race next. It's very interesting that, um, well, a little later. We'll, we'll, very interesting that Tish James chose to drop out of that governor's race. We'll talk about it maybe in the 4 o'clock hour. But in the meantime, let me say hello to Paul on Staten Island. Hello, Paul. Hey, Frank. How are you, buddy? Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it, Paul. I couldn't wait till you came back on the air. Well, that's awfully nice of you. Thanks, Paul. I, I was uh, eager to be back as well. Fellow Staten Islander, we missed you. Listen, I had twins, so we, when my mom, you know, when we were going through, we had to get both our daughters on the same feeding schedule. So oh. that was rough. Oh, so, I can't yeah, imagine. So imagine I, what I can't, you had times two. No, I can't imagine. <laughs> well, listen, I just wanted to tell you, I got all the cream cheese you need. Anybody who's got to do is call. There's no shortage at my house. Well, what's your secret? Paul. I can't say, brother. 
Oh, oh, listen to you, Paul. Listen to you. I got to connect. I got all the cream cheese we need. So you you, call me, I get you cream cheese. I I have a (laughs) feeling. Thank you, Paul. I have a feeling Paul might be in cahoots with uh, those guys that cyber hacked, cyber attacked that cream cheese supplier. It sounds like his cream cheese fell off a truck or something, if you know what I mean. Uh, By the way, I also want to thank, while I was away uh, for the last two weeks, I did get a nice um, uh, note when young Carmine was born from Matt Sapienza, who has been working on this show for uh, the last uh, few months now. And uh, he said congratulations and everything. And I heard him on with Curtis a few times. And then, lo and behold, I get this um, text message on Wednesday, Wednesday evening. He says, uh, and he would also do the news on the show. I hope it's okay to reveal this, but uh, this is what he said. He says, hey, Frank, hope everything's well. Big news I wanted to tell you. I just didn't want you to be surprised by this when you came back. This Friday, which would have been three days ago, is my last day at WABC. Last week I put in my notice and I'm off to pursue a disc jockey career. I just wanted to tell you this myself because I highly respect you as a colleague and as a friend. That's nice. I'll call you tomorrow and tell you more about it. I hope Carmine's doing well and send my warmest regards to Rachel. That was certainly very nice. But I can't help but think that in the year 2021, Matt may have made a, a little bit of a career mistake here by leaving a show which is number one in the ratings, AM or FM, in, in the market, which is growing by leaps and bounds. And leaving it to pursue a career as a uh, as a disc jockey, whereas you know, and again, nothing against disc jockeys. I'm a big fan of people like uh, Cousin Brucey and and others, but disc jockey jobs are not exactly in uh, an abundant supply right now. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sure this was. I don't know who Matt consulted with this about making this career transition, but. Um, uh, this is not what I would have suggested for him. He, he consulted with me. Uh, uh, yo, yeah, you wanted his right. job. No wonder you told him to become a DJ. Right. Trade it up. The cooler really? man. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, w- were there no telegraph jobs, uh, telegraph operator jobs available? I mean, is, if this doesn't work out, is he going to pursue a career as an alchemist or a bread slicer? He's going to start doing Morse code, I think. Right. The, right. the next job. Right. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I'm not, I don't mean to be facetious. I wish him the best of luck. And watch, probably he'll become the uh, one of the most successful DJs of all time now that I'm doubting the career prospects of being a DJ. But um, I, I thought this was an interesting and kind of a sudden change. I, I mean, right? Yeah. I maybe, he didn't like, maybe he just didn't I like me. I agree with you. Right? No, I agree 100%. You agree that he didn't like me? No, 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 no. Yeah. That he, uh, don't, don't rush to agree too much. <laughs> agree with the uh, assessment of maybe this is a non the brightest career move. Yes. But, I, hey, listen, if he wants to spin records or whatever you do, go, go ahead. Do I, your thing. God bless him. Good luck to him. God luck. Good luck to him. But to leave a job like this in the midst of a cream cheese crisis, not what I would do. But we wish him the best of luck. And uh, Matt has been – he's certainly been – Interesting getting to know on this show, and uh, he's been he's a heck of a nice guy, I will say that. And a very skilled radio guy, he's got a great sense of timing. So, uh, who knows, maybe he will make it as a DJ. I sincerely wish him the uh, best of luck, honestly. Um, Sherry in Brooklyn, how are you getting through this cream cheese crisis? 
Hi, Frank. First of all, congratulations on the birth of your son. I hope he and Rachel are doing fine. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, I can tell you that ShopRite last week had the eight ounce bricks for like a dollar twenty nine. So there's no problem in ShopRite. Eight ounce bricks of cream cheese. Yeah, like their bread for like a dollar twenty nine. They were last week. Oh, and then with you know, the pack- packages, the eight ounce packages. Yes, okay. Chili? Yes, I've seen those. Yes. Okay. Now, as far as like a toasted bagel, a toast uh, drizzle a little honey. That'll work. That's good. That is good. And like the other person, cottage cheese, try farmer cheese. What? Which kind? Farmer? Farmer, farmer cheese. cheese. That's good. I like that. So oh, do you do the honey and the farmer cheese together or separately? I guess you could if you want. Well, now now I'm kind of now I'm kind of hungry. Thank you, Sherry. Appreciate that very, very much. Now, let's say Sherry's right and that ShopRite is selling these eight ounce bricks of Philadelphia cream cheese. The bottom line is, if this cream cheese crisis continues much longer, all of the places that are still selling cream cheese, you can expect to pay a whole lot more for them. And that is where you need to think about your long-term financial needs. And one of the best things you can do, one of the soundest investments that you can make for your long-term financial security is in gold. You know, I'm going to, as soon as we get my son's social security number, we're going to open up a, uh, you know, an, an account for his college. And a couple of people already gave gifts for him. Uh, Dominic Carter sent a money order to the house uh, for this young man, which is very nice, very generous, and never would have expected it. But I told my wife, we should take all of Carmine's money, whatever people send to him, and just put it all in gold. Put it all in gold. Because you know when you buy gold, it's always going to be worth something. And historically, gold has been a terrific hedge against inflation. The worse inflation gets, the more gold is worth. And no company understands that better than legacy precious metals. They're going to help you fight inflation. They're going to help you preserve your wealth. They're going to help you maximize the value of your retirement accounts. So if you have an existing retirement account, Think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA. And if you do that, you need to do it with legacy precious metals. Gold should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio. It's certainly a part of mine. It's part of Young Carmine's, or it will be. Legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. So contact Legacy Precious Metals today. Write this number down, 866 866- Nine three two zero six three five. That's eight six six nine three two zero six three five. Or visit legacypminvestments.com. That's legacypminvestments.com. The other side of midnight presents the Midnight Files.
we make it till tomorrow For the sun shine on you Midnight in the desert And we're listening Ooh, we're listening to you Well, we're listening to you And uh, I have been, quite frankly, blown away at the explosion in the ratings over the last few months. We are uh, destroying the competition on not only the other two talk stations, but on the all-news stations as well and on the music stations. And a big part of the reason uh, that, um, that I think that's the case is because of the amount of time we've spent exploring uh, UFOs and the possibility of extraterrestrials. We do it in a serious manner, but we also do it in a fun manner. And we do it in a way that uh, I think is right where a lot of the public is. So Margot Katsimatidis, who is the first lady of our radio station, she said to me, she'd hear all the time that I spend talking about UFOs and aliens. She said, hey, you got to check out this show, Ancient Aliens. And I watch the History Channel, a lot of great programming on the History Channel, and both fun shows like Pawn Stars and documentaries and things like that. And so I happened to check out this Ancient Aliens marathon about a week and a half ago. And they had this whole episode all about Aliens and the presidents. What did presidents know about aliens? Uh, what did presidents, what was their policy as it relates to aliens? And I have to tell you, I was absolutely hooked. Absolutely hooked. And one of the people that really impressed me in this Ancient Alien special, so much so that I had to order his book, I haven't read it yet, but one of the people that really impressed me was Larry Holcomb. He has been studying this stuff and researching this stuff uh, for over a half a century. And he's got a fascinating book out all about UFOs and the presidents. And I am very, very pleased to welcome researcher and ufologist and the author of the book, The Presidents and UFOs, A Secret History from FDR to Obama, Larry Holcomb. Larry, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Well, I'm delighted to be here, Frank. Uh, I hope you uh, can work at this uh, cream cheese problem. <laughs> you, you and me both. If there are extraterrestrials visiting us, uh, uh, hopefully when they're done saving us from nuclear war, they can deal with this cream cheese crisis. Uh, we'll just go to Philadelphia. There, there you have it, Larry. There you have it. Now, Larry, one of the things, you know, we, we're blessed to have a, a wide audience, but occasionally, sometimes people will be uh, critical of the amount of time that I spend talking about extraterrestrials and UFOs and even interviewing experts in this subject matter. And um, I think it's important that uh, folks understand that the people, the experts that we talk to aren't, um, you know, some, you know, crackpots or anything like that. But you you and your background, you're a pretty seasoned researcher. Before we get into the substance of what's in your book, uh, give folks an idea of what your background is as a researcher and an author. Well, I uh, became interested in the uh, in the subject uh, in 1960 uh, as a junior in high school when I read uh, uh, Major Donald Kehoe's uh, wonderful books, 
um, flying saucers uh, from outer space, flying saucers were real, I believe, was uh, another title. Uh, Kehoe was uh, was really the uh, groundbreaker in the uh, modern uh, UFO or flying saucer uh, field, and uh, that got me hooked. Uh, plus, I had a close friend, uh, an older friend, uh, that was a judo instructor in uh, at Biggs Air Force Base in New Mexico, and he told me uh, fantastic tales about pilots that he instructed uh, that told him tales about these craft that they chased, and they were out of this world. And this was a a fellow that I was stunned when he told me this. Uh, But anyway, that's uh, that's how I got involved in it. Larry, when you first started researching this and writing about this stuff, this was largely, meaning the exploration of UFOs and the possibility of extraterrestrial visits to Earth, this was largely considered the domain of science fiction films and pulp magazines. Nowadays, for the last three, four years especially, we've seen increasingly mainstream acceptance and mainstream media coverage of this issue. It's not only shows like this one and shows like Ancient Aliens, but it's uh, the New York Times, it's CBS News, it's CNN, it's Fox News. They've all um, taken this issue of the UFOs very, very seriously. What do you attribute that to? What do you think is has led to the moment in time that we seem to be in now where the question is not do UFOs exist, but instead the question has become what are these objects that people are seeing in in the sky? What's driving this moment in history? 2017, the New York Times article, the release of the film strips, uh, and then the government, I think, coming out finally in 2020 saying, or the Pentagon saying, this is all legitimate. We don't know what they are. They've been denying that since 1947. And finally, in 2017 and 2020, there was a major breakthrough that's that's astonished a lot of us. But uh, that's that's when it happened. That's when it took on legitimacy. We're talking with Larry Holcomb. He's the author of the book, The Presidents in UFOs, A Secret History from FDR to Obama. Let's begin with FDR, uh, Larry. What exactly did President Franklin Roosevelt know about UFOs, and what policy, if any, did uh, his White House take towards extraterrestrials? Uh, Very little. Uh, He knew what he knew was given to him by uh, General George C. Marshall. Um, and but you have to remember that FDR was uh, involved deeply in the uh, fighting of a great world war, uh, and it continued uh, until his death, or shortly thereafter his death, uh, when Harry Truman took over. 
and Harry Truman really was the beginning of what I call the golden years of ufology. Truman then to Eisenhower, but Truman was really the one that set the stage, that set up uh, everything within the government to to the cover-up, the great cover-up started with Harry Truman. It's such a uh, – I, I want to ask you about that, but uh, a lot of times skeptics will call me or they'll write to me and they'll say, hey, if um, if aliens really want people to know they're here, why wouldn't they just land uh, in front of the White House? Well, during the Truman era, they essentially did that. Uh, it was well-reported, front page of the Washington Post and well-reported in other mainstream media outlets that from July 12th, through July 29th of 1952, there were flying saucers flying over Washington, D.C., including at the White House. Now, one, why do you think that hasn't gotten more mainstream uh, coverage over the last 60 years or so? And two, why during the Truman era did the uh, did there become so many more occurrences of these incidents? Well, the uh, the first question is why? Uh, uh, because uh, that was the beginning of the great cover-up. The government became, after Roswell, the government became very savvy and had to cover up uh, this phenomenon. Uh, it is said, and I believe it to be a fact, in those days and continued into the 60s and 70s and 80s that this was the most highly classified issue uh, within the government. Um, So you have to understand that our government is very good at counterintelligence. It's very good at telling lies. And in my book, I go into that in great detail on how efficient the government is in disinformation and cover-up of uh, the real facts uh, of the of the matter. I forgot your second question. Well, so my um, well, I think you sort of answered it. Why there was such an explosion in occurrences of these these incidents, and the other part of my question was why has there been such reluctance to uh, Im- recognize the obvious facts going back to 1952? But um, you mentioned what went on in the Truman era and the cover up of these incidents beginning in the Truman era. Just so folks know where you're coming from, and we do want to encourage people to get your book. We're talking with Larry Holcomb, author of the book The Presidents and UFOs. What is your sourcing uh, for this? How do you know, for instance, that uh, the Truman administration engaged in a cover-up about UFOs? Uh, A number of ways. Release documents, uh, freedom of information documents. Uh, documents that we have that have not been authenticated, but have what I believe is an element of truth to them, uh, even if they're not totally authenticated. Uh, But 
there's there's so much uh, background information, so much uh, that people have talked about. We're not a world of liars. Uh, you cannot have uh, thousands upon thousands of responsible people, respectable people, including police officers, military personnel, high-ranking personnel in the military, uh, even the, the former head of the Canadian uh, military, uh, the military defense, uh, if you will, uh, that has spoken out on this and said these things are obviously there. We don't know what they are. Uh, some people I know uh, personally, uh, high-level people, do believe that they're extraterrestrial, uh, but we, we've come a long way. Uh, but still, you have to remember, Frank, that uh, as for so many years, this has not been proven to be true or false. Uh, Seventy-some years, and it has still not been debunked. You've got to believe that after 70 years that this subject, is still alive and very much alive and more alive than it's ever been. So that's 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 really saying something. Oh, it certainly is. You write that there might even be a connection between UFOs and the assassination of President Kennedy. Uh, tell me, what do you think that what do you think that connection is, and what's your basis for saying that? <laughs> Well, you went right to the toughest question of all. Uh, writing about Kennedy was, in my book, was probably the toughest chapter, without question, the toughest chapter I ever had to write. Uh, was he assassinated because he wanted, insisted upon getting all of our uh, the government, the secret government's UFO information, and share it with the Soviet Union, uh, believing that the Soviet Union would share all of their information with us to prevent a worldwide catastrophe of nuclear war uh, that was started by these vehicles that could be misconstrued as uh, uh, a, uh, adversarial, uh, adversarial missiles, if you will. So, uh, in any case, that's uh, uh, whether that's true. Uh, there are documents that would point to that, that I put in my book, uh, uh, primarily the Byrne Memo. Uh, I have, I'm very skeptical of it, yet it's there, it's out there, 
and I uh, I don't write anything all, but yeah. I am a skeptic, and I think it's very healthy for any legitimate researcher to be a skeptic. Um, so that's uh, I guess that's all I've got to say on the Kennedy issue. Sure. It's uh, very touching. You and others have indicated that President Nixon, when he was president, came very close to actually publicly disclosing to the public what we know about UFOs and extraterrestrials, including uh, commissioning a documentary uh, exploring the subject. What do we know about what the Nixon administration was doing on this front and what what was the reason that they chose to pump the brakes and not go forward with full disclosure? Nixon was, uh, uh, people don't realize it now, especially a lot of young people. Nixon was a very, very popular president up until the time of Watergate. He was reelected by almost a historic majority. Uh, he had great power, and he was very interested in the subject. He also had a good friend, uh, Jackie Gleason, the entertainer, who was also extremely wrapped up in the subject, had a tremendous library of books on the paranormal and flying saucers, UFOs, uh, and you have to believe that he bent Nixon's ear uh, to disclose what the government really knew about the subject. Now, uh, the is the question. Yeah, I lost you there for a he second. Was, pardon me. I, I lost you for a second there, uh, Larry. Go ahead. Okay, Nixon. Uh, through his White House staff, commissioned uh, a fellow named Robert Emmenager, who was an executive with Gray Advertising in Los Angeles, to produce a film on UFOs, uh, which he did. Uh, but he was told at the time that he was going to be given uh, about 600 feet of 35 millimeter film or 16 millimeter film of a UFO landing at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico. Uh, because of Watergate, that was rescinded. Uh, they backed away from the documentary. But uh, the Nixon White House told Emmenegger to go ahead with it that they would give him all the support they could. And uh, the result was it did not have the explosive ending of an actual UFO landing at Alderman Air Force mm. Base. Uh, but it was one of the best documentaries in 1975 that I've ever seen. Right, it was actually it nominated was for an Academy Award, right? Yes, yes, it was excellent. Uh, and it 
really solidified me in my efforts to dig deeper into the subject, ending up with my wife and I visiting Bob Emmenager in his retirement home in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and sitting down with him, spending the night at his home, talking to him in depth, and there's no question that it's legitimate that uh, the Nixon administration was on the verge of uh, releasing uh, information that the government knew on UFOs until Watergate reared its ugly head. Mm, interesting. So it was Watergate that uh, caused them to change their tune on that. Yes. Uh, we're talking with Larry Holcomb. He is the author of The Presidents and UFOs, A Secret History from FDR to Obama. Speaking of Obama, last year, uh, actually it might have even been this year, President Obama said the following when asked about uh, extraterrestrials and UFOs and the like, is what he said. What is true? Uh, and I'm, I'm actually being serious here, is, is that uh, there are, uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain uh, how they moved, their trajectory. Uh, do you think the president is being truthful there, Larry, or do you believe that President Obama knows more than he's letting on? Well, he's being truthful because he's re- he's saying exactly what the news has already reported and what the Pentagon has said is a fact. Up until then, no president, even the presidents when they were candidates or when they were in Congress, uh, said they were going to release all of this information once they became president. Once they became president, they became a clan. They shut up. They didn't mention mm. it. That's yeah. strange. It's when true. You think about it's it. true. Larry, I have to end it there. I appreciate the time this morning. If people are interested in learning more about this, they could check out your book. Uh, Larry Holcomb, I appreciate the time this morning. Thank you, Frank. Enjoyed it. Thank you. If you want to comment, you can do so. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Mamacita. With one of the great Christmas songs of all time, Donde Esta Santa Claus. I'll tell you, as you've seen with the demographic shifts and trends in this country and this city, eventually we're all going to be speaking Spanish. 
So my thinking is we may as well just get ahead of it a little bit, right? Play some great Christmas Spanish songs like this one. Uh, 800-848-9222. Frank Morano here back in the saddle at the other side of midnight. I tell you, I got, uh, I got quite a chuckle. From uh, You can email me. You can always email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. I'll read your best and worst emails on the air tomorrow. But um, one listener sent us, he did like a roast of the whole lineup. And I'm not going to play you his whole thing because it's it's lengthy. But this is some of the highlights from uh, Sal in Brooklyn who went out of his way. I I took it in good humor, and I think most of my colleagues would as well. But he went out of his way to do sort of a radio stand-up roast. Give it a listen, and uh, you be the judge if it's uh, worthy of your time and attention. Frank Morano has an excessive passion for cheese. I mean, you know, that Frank Morano is an astute and knowledgeable guy. He really is. And uh, we love his show, The Other Side of Midnight. Yeah, finally a guy from Staten Island talking for five hours, and it's not a deposition. And there we have, from Massapequa, Long Island, best-selling author, host of TV and radio, Brian Kilmeade. You know, I found a list of the most famous people from Massapequa. Now, Brian is ranked behind Daniel Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin, and my boss, Carlo Gambino. <laughs> Brian, my friend, don't despair. You did beat out two semi-pro lacrosse players. And on to the fearless and lovely Lydia Serrani. Bravo to Lydia for taking on Governor Hart Corleone. You know, I read that Lydia, uh, she always wanted to be a journalist as a kid. So, you know, as a child, she would put on fake news shows. I'm surprised CNN didn't try hiring her. And now we have the hard-charging, the Marine, Greg Kelly. What an unbelievable background Greg has. You know, he used to land helicopters on ships. You think that's easy? Try it. Those things are shakier than Nancy Pelosi trying to scoop ice cream after her fourth martini. (laughs) And finally, we have America's mayor. The preeminent Rudy Giuliani. What a difference when Rudy was mayor. When Rudy was mayor, you could eat off the sidewalk. Now with this de Blasio, you have to. Remember what Rudy did for the city? He couldn't have gotten Times Square clean if he was a Georgia election server. Rudy put away more mobsters than anyone in history. Which is great for crime in New York, but Frank Morano lost half his softball team. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so everyone at uh, WABC, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and uh, love the station. And thanks very much from your friend, Sal, from Brooklyn. So that so that was nice. Thank you, Sal. I appreciated the fact that he put in all that uh, time and effort. I thought he had some good uh, material there. Yeah, again, that was a small portion of uh, what he sent. He sent a whole six-minute thing in. I mean, uh, we're not going to play the whole six minutes because, after all, we all have our limits. But uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was well done. I appreciated the the effort. If you want to email me, you could do so. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. We're going to do commendations after the top of the hour. And then Vladimir Posner. You might remember him from his time 
uh, as sort of a mouthpiece for the Soviet Union on American television. He was co- he co-hosted a show with Phil Donahue for a time. He's going to join us to give us his perspective on what's happening with Vladimir Putin and Ukraine. I have been very frustrated at seeing the media coverage of the Russia-Ukraine situation because it seems like you have the Democrats and the Republicans in Washington, both of which are looking to out-bravado one another when it comes to how to handle Russia. And I'll tell you, there's very few media outlets. The, the, the one that immediately comes to mind is Tucker Carlson. But there's very few media outlets that are offering an alternative point of view on this subject when I think the, there's a lot of merit to the alternative point of view, which is that we should do whatever we can to de-escalate this situation. I don't know about you, but I am not willing to shed one American drop of blood, nor really spend much in the way of American treasure defending Russians in eastern Ukraine from Russia. But we'll get into that with Vladimir Posner, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring up what some of the people are saying. All right. Commendations next. Vladimir Posner coming up. A whole lot more stuff to get to, and we will. Until next hour, in the words of the great Barry Farber, keep asking questions. Everybody, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Well, I have waited a great deal of time to say that it is that time of the week again. It is once again time for me to give a pat on the back that to those that deserve one. Time for the commendable to be commended. It is time for the other side of midnight presents commendations. Ah, yes. We are commending those that deserve one. Let me begin with Bryce Young, quarterback who has been awarded the Heisman Trophy, giving Alabama football back-to-back winners. So uh, I was very pleased to see such a talented young man, and quite frankly... A guy that seems like he has a pretty good head on his shoulders, awarded with the Heisman Trophy in New York City on Saturday. A sophomore and a five-star prospect from California. And he is really something. So congratulations to you. I mean, the Heisman Trophy, for those of you that are not sports fans, it is essentially the recognition of the top football player in all of college football. So we want to give a commendation to Bryce Young. Speaking of football, I must also give a commendation to the Cardinals' J.J. Watt, who shared a heartfelt message with a teenager who was injured in the Waukesha parade attack. Tyler Pudliner received a get-well-soon message from J.J. Watt 
on Thanksgiving morning. And uh, for somebody that's a fan of this guy, to get a message like this from a star defensive end for the Arizona Cardinals, it really means something. And this teenager, the 17-year-old, got this very heartfelt message. And if you, you can watch the video. Just Google J.J. Watt, uh, Tyler Poodliner, and you can see this is really something that came from the heart. I want to commend Barbados. Barbados is the world's newest republic. The Caribbean island removed the British monarch, Elizabeth II, as the head of state, but they will remain a member of the Commonwealth of Nations. Welcome aboard. We, the more republics, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, truth be told, you don't want to be a republic, I don't care. But I figured, you know, probably there was a, a lot of hand-wringing about whether to go forward with this. There was a lot of people wondering whether this was the right thing to do. So I say, good for you, Barbados. Welcome to the world of rejecting the monarchy. Good luck to you. I want to commend Barba- uh, Barbados. I want to commend Jay-Z. Jay-Z, the hip-hop artist, is now the most Grammy-nominated artist ever with 83 Grammy nominations. Do you realize how incredible that is? 83 Grammy nominations, more than any artist in history. He has surpassed Quincy Jones. It's amazing. I mean, you got to be a pretty talented guy to get 83 Grammy nominations. Whatever you think of Jay-Z's music, that says something. It's quite an accomplishment. So, Jay-Z, I do commend you. I must also commend Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has become... The most vaccinated place in America. That's right. And they say um, that, and you think about it, Puerto Rico has fully vaccinated 74% of their population. And they say that uh, the reason behind this is because of a lack of politics, meaning they didn't make the vaccination issue political. We've seen in a lot of places around the world, and around the country, quite frankly, that, oh, if you want to get vaccinated or you want people to get vaccinated, that has a political connotation. Puerto Rico, it was refreshingly free of politics. Hopefully that means we will see uh, that paying dividends in terms of preventing the coronavirus. So hopefully, fingers crossed. I want to commend and sincerely thank all of the many listeners that sent uh, gifts and cards to my young son, Carmine. Uh, a lot of you were very, very generous. And I'm not going to mention everybody, but there's a lot of uh, gifts that were really very special and a lot of cards that were uh, very special as well. And um, a lot of people combined to send baby gifts. And I know Ellen, Sophia, Barbara, and Nancy all got together and sent some very, very uh, wonderful books that I'm looking forward to reading. So big thank you and a commendation to everybody that uh, sent stuff. No need to send anything else, though. We have more stuff than we can even store at this point. So a big thank you and a sincere commendation to everybody that has sent a gift for young Carmine. I want to commend 
Supermodel Giselle Bunchen. Giselle Bunchen is a longtime environmental activist. In addition to being a beautiful woman, she happened to save a sea turtle from certain death after it became entangled in fish nets and it was lying upside down on a beach. So she was taking a walk on the beach with her dog. She was vacationing with her family and she comes upon this turtle caught in a fishnet and she acts quickly to save it and returns it to the sea. Was not easy since this turtle, sea turtle is big, it's heavy. It was almost too heavy for her to lift. So uh, Giselle Bunchen put in the effort and the time to save this sea turtle. And now there's a sea turtle that's living. That wouldn't be but for Giselle Bunchen. You talk about a real world effect on something. That's nice to see. I want to commend, this is a posthumous commendation, unfortunately, for Bob Dole, who has passed away at the age of 98 years old. Bob Dole was an institution. First of all, he's from he was from that greatest generation, a generation that is slowly but surely disappearing and eventually there will be none left in a very in relatively short amount of time. A World War II veteran fought bravely in World War II, was injured in World War II and wore the scars of those injuries with him for the rest of his life by not being able to move his right arm. And then to build such a distinguished career in public service and to make friends with so many of his political adversaries. George H.W. Bush, who he ran against for president in 88, became a very good friend. Bill Clinton, who he ran against for president in 96, became a good friend. Uh, I might not have always agreed with him, but he was somebody that uh, I think was always a gentleman. And he exuded class. And he did so many things in public life, which I think are all too rare these days. One, you had class. Two, you had the willingness to be friendly with people that you don't agree with. Three, he served this country and risked his life to protect it. Um, but through it all, he maintained a sense of humor. He had no problem with Norm MacDonald impersonating him on Saturday Night Live. He had no problem befriending Norm MacDonald as a result of it. He knew that when he was doing erectile dysfunction commercials, that eventually that was going to be something that he was mocked for. But I gave him an, an enormous amount of credit for that. Because he said in that commercial, it takes courage to... Uh, to talk about erectile dysfunction. And that's true. And had he worried about being mocked or embarrassed, he would have not done it. But there's a lot of men that probably got help because of him. I gave him, And then, you know what? He did satires for that. He, I, he was in one Super Bowl ad in which he mocked that commercial. I like Bob Dole. I think he was a great person. And somebody that added a lot to our country over the course of the last century. And uh, again, whatever political differences we had, that doesn't in any way, I think, diminish his character. 
Speaking of erectile dysfunction, I want to give a commendation to Viagra. Oh, yes. Not for eliminating erectile dysfunction, but this is amazing. I was amazed when I saw this. A new study showed that Viagra may actually lower the chances of developing Alzheimer's disease over the next six years by almost 70%. Very appropriately, it lowers your risk of getting Alzheimer's disease by 69%. Now, this is incredible. If this is true, and I'm eager to see more study on this, I've never taken Viagra. I've never, uh, at this point, never needed it. I'm going to take Viagra all the time now, if this is true. And I certainly hope it is. But just think about something that could eliminate or reduce your risk of Alzheimer's by 70%. I mean, that's pretty significant. I mean, wow. I want to commend Rajal Alma. That is a village in Saudi Arabia. See, you guys always think I'm picking on the Saudis. I'm not picking on the Saudis. I have no problem recognizing good things that the Saudis are doing or positive attributes in Saudi Arabian culture. Residents of... uh, So this village, Rajal Alma, has been awarded the... Best Tourism Village title by the United Nations World Tourism Organization. One of the best, one of the world's best tourism villages. And apparently, if you're a tourist, this is the spot to go to. They have everything that uh, tourists could want. Uh, It's very aesthetically pleasing, a beautiful landscape, natural and cultural diversity, all sorts of local activities. And at least according to the UNWTO, this particular village, Rajal Alma, is tops when it comes to world tourism. Uh, All right. I want to commend everybody that made the list. And uh, if you didn't make the list, better luck next time. You know, that's the thing with commendations. There's always hope for the future. There's always hope that you can eventually... Make the list. 800-848-WABC if you want to comment on anybody that uh, was on today's commendation list. And in a little bit, we're going to chat with Vladimir Posner. He's in Austria today. Vladimir Posner, I find to be a fascinating individual. You might remember him from when he was a fixture on American television. Uh, I'm a little hesitant to promote him because last time he was scheduled to come on, there was a miscommunication in the time zones and he was unavailable. But I'm so excited to talk with him. Because what's happening with Russia and Ukraine now is quite serious, and I think it's valuable for Americans to get a Russian perspective. Now, Vladimir Posner is an American citizen. He's also a Russian citizen and a French citizen. He's got triple citizenship, and he lives a good portion of the year in Russia. So I think he can explain this in a way, doesn't really have a Russian accent, he can explain this in a way that Russian, that American audiences can understand, and he can help us understand what the Russian view is 
on the situation in Ukraine. But there have been a lot of people that have been patiently holding. Let me squeeze in a few quick calls here at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. John Vito is in Staten Island. Hello, John Vito. Frank, what a pleasure to see you back. Oh, that's great. And I have to congratulate you for the... But the boss of the house now. Now everything is That's right. Them. Thank you. And uh, I, listen, listen, don't go away. What are you going to cut me short? You're going to never talk to me. No, well, I, I, I just said thank oh, you. Oh, you but, said congratulations. Oh, yes, you, of course. And congratulations to your wife. It, it, it'd be great. And uh, watch for the Viagra. I mean, I don't know anything about it. I don't need Oh, that. sure need you it. don't, John but Listen, the people would be running around Staten Island when they see you. They're running away from you. Listen. So yesterday I was at the inauguration of the statue of uh, Sinatra. I had to. I had a feeling like, like I had a feeling to come and see you, meet you when you had presentation and stuff. It was great. I saw Joe. I saw uh, John Katzmatidis. I congratulate him for what he's doing for the station. Wonderful. You, you guys got a beautiful, wonderful team. Everybody, oh, and I met all that great, great, wonderful, beautiful Rita Cosby. She was unbelievable. We talked about. You know, the old world that she was visiting my own town and all that stuff. I would really, and I, I shook hands with Tina Sinatra, which was great. I forgot to get the the souvenir paper. If you could get one, put it on the side for me. Plus one of these. I don't even know. I don't even know what you're talking about. What kind of souvenir paper? Well, you know, they had. You know, they had the paper. You know, the, the, the program. You know, I forgot to get it. Oh, program. I, yeah, I don't I even have one for myself, John Vito. They, they will get it for you at the station, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, so this so is sure. great. So you got a beautiful, the beautiful boy, nice and big. Pretty soon, pretty soon will be ruling. Make sure you don't spoil him. Thank Make you, John sure Vito. I appreciate father. it. You it's... have to learn to be father. I can tell you, as a grandfather, I have ten. I appreciate I'm it. Thank you, John Vito. It's great to hear from you. I'm great. I'm glad you had a good time at that uh, at that Sinatra event. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C one two three four five six open lines. If you want to jump on board, we're going to talk of Vladimir Posner in just a minute. Let me say hello to Adrian in Manhattan. Hello, Adrian. Hi, uh, congrats on the baby. Thank you. And uh, I wanted to give you a suggestion for uh, the cream cheese shortage and also some charities. Okay, great. Uh, oh. uh, I would suggest using a mascarpone instead of a cream cheese. And you can blend it with chives and herbs or curry spice. makes a savory spread. Or you can add vanilla or pumpkin pie spice or cocoa or preserves make a sweet spread. It takes two it's seconds. It's a great idea. So that's good. And then the charities, uh, Lighthouse Guild. Uh, do you want me to say what they do? Yeah, or, please, please. Okay, it's um, it, that it's a nonprofit uh, uh, providing valuable training services and cutting edge technology to help visually impaired uh, and blind reach their goals. Uh, and it's uh, LighthouseGuild.org uh, is the website. JBI International is a great one. That's a nonprofit dedicated to meeting the cultural needs of visually impaired, blind, and physically handicapped, and reading disabled of all ages and backgrounds. Third one, Lymphatic Education Research Network. It's dedicated to eradicating lymphatic disease and lymphedema. That's kind of a lesser-known one, but it's a widespread problem. Uh, a lot of people get lymphedema after, say, cancer. After any surgery, you can get it, but especially cancer patients can get it. All right. Well, those are all good, Adrian. Thank you. Okay. And one last one, Camp HASC, H-A-S-C. That's a nonprofit that provides summer programs for children and adults with special needs, intellectual, and physical disabilities. Great. Well, good good stuff. Thank you. If people don't know what Adrian's talking about, if you're just tuning in, we began the show by asking people to recommend different charities that they're passionate about, that they suggest that our listeners check out or maybe donate to 
in the spirit of the holiday season. So if you want to uh, if you want to add anything to it, we're probably done taking calls on that. But if you want to add anything to that, what I'd encourage you to do is join our Facebook group. Uh, just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters, and boy, are there a lot of haters on there. Uh, you want to know what I'm doing wrong on a daily basis? All you have to do is join this Facebook group. There's somebody in this group that will tell you exactly what I'm doing wrong in any moment, any segment, any particular show. There are some fans there as well. It's basically Ellen versus the world. Ellen says everything I'm doing is great. And then there's everybody explaining to Ellen why she's wrong about my her analysis of my uh, program. Uh, but we do encourage people. And, you know, people who follow that. The, the Facebook group is not representative of the whole audience. In fact, I think we have a lot of people on there that comment that don't even listen to the show. Why they're choosing to comment, I don't understand. But if you want to comment, you have uh, positive feedback, negative feedback, that's the place to do it. Just search on Facebook, Morano Radio Fans and Haters, or you can just go right to facebook.com slash groups slash Radio Morano. Um, we're going to talk with Vladimir Posner in just a couple of minutes. And if you have questions for him, maybe we'll try and take them as well. So uh, you could try and call in and we'll we'll try and get to your question if it's a serious question and it's, you know, there's something to it. Now, I do want to tell you a little bit about Life Change Tea. You might have heard the commercials, might have heard me talking about them, and you might be asking yourself, what the heck is Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com? And what makes it so great? Well, I'm here to tell you. Life Change Tea is a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. Stress can wreak havoc on our digestive systems and it can leave you feeling bloated and stopped up. Life Change Tea is an all-natural way to combat that. It's all-natural and non-GMO. One package will last you a whole month. Life Change Tea is only available by logging on to the website GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. You can use the promo code FRANK and get yourself some free shipping. That's GetTheTea.com, promo code FRANK. Not only will you get free shipping on the tea, but whatever other products you choose to order at GetTheTea.com, you can get free products there as well. And they have uh, stuff for your immunity. They have stuff for energy levels, all sorts of great products to improve your health. And if you use the promo code FRANK when you order, you will get to enjoy free shipping. So check out all the other great products there. GetTheTea.com, promo code FRANK. Life Change Tea is the tea that makes you go. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, riding down Santa Claus Lane. Lips and blitz and all the hills are reindeer, pulling on the rain. Bells are ringing, children sing it all. Hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He's got a bag that's filled with toys for boys and girls again. The great Elvis Presley uh, singing about Santa Claus. I am not sure what uh, Santa Claus does in terms of making arrangements to visit members of the Russian Orthodox faith. But that's the thing with Santa. The guy's amazing. The guy can do it all. 
gifts, chimneys, houses without chimneys. He gets it done. Uh, on a serious note, I have been um, very, very frustrated at what I have seen in terms of media coverage of our situation with Russia. Um, the All that we see in American media, by and large, there are a few exceptions, is a portrayal of the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, almost as if he's some sort of a James Bond villain um, itching to remake the Soviet Union. And it seems like um, the Democrats are really eager to do saber-rattling with Russia, and the Republicans are really eager to pick on the Democrats for being too soft on Vladimir Putin and Russia. This, to me, I'm not sure why I'm one of the, so one of the few people saying this, but to me, this has all the makings of a total disaster. We've been told that Vladimir Putin and Russia are planning an invasion of Ukraine, and it may come right after the first of the year. Well, I wanted to get a different perspective than what you're typically hearing in American media today. And I wanted to turn to a gentleman who's been kind enough to join us from time to time when we explore issues related to international policy, specifically issues related to Russia. And he's a veteran a Russian journalist, also an American citizen and a French citizen. Many of you may remember him for his television shows with uh, Phil Donahue and being a staple on American television and radio in the 1980s. He's still a staple on Russian television. Joining us live from Austria, as I understand it right now, the one and only Vladimir Posner. Mr. Posner, thank you again for joining me on the radio. Thank you very much, Frank. I, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, so, Mr. Posner, I'm wondering if you can straighten out the um, reality from the myth. Uh, the American media has crafted a certain image of, of Vladimir Putin, the Russian president. And I'm wondering if you can tell our audience what's inaccurate about this this portrayal that they've created. Well, it's 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 a rather long story. I don't even know if you have the time for it, because. Uh, it's been going on now for quite a long time. To, me, it's, to be very brief, um, it started in 2007 when in Munich, uh, President Putin uh, made his famous speech addressing the, the, the 20 major nations and basically saying, uh, you want Russia to dance to the American tune. You want Russia to act as if it were conquered because we lost the Cold War. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, we wanted to be friends with you. We stretched out our hand in 2000. We asked to be uh, accepted as members of NATO and as members of the European Union. You pretty much told us to shut up and, and paid no attention to us. Well, now uh, we're going to act in our own interest. And since that very moment, and I, I uh, want to repeat, this was 2007, uh, the West in general and the United States in particular have portrayed Putin as some kind of ogre, uh, some kind of thug, some kind of killer, and it's gotten worse and worse, precisely because uh, he uh, conducts an independent Russian policy and does not uh, in any way want to bow to American supremacy. That's basically what it's about. 
One of the things that's been repeated frequently among conservative outlets, liberal outlets, and so-called objective media outlets in this country has been that Vladimir Putin wants to reform the Soviet Union. As somebody that uh, serves as a journalist in Russia, can you tell us, is that true? Is that Vladimir Putin's goal, to reform the Soviet Union? Right. Well, look, the Soviet Union was disbanded. Uh, it'll be 30 years come December 26th of this year. It'll be 30 years ago, okay? And Putin has spoken out about this on many times. He, for instance, said that it was a great tragedy that it, the Soviet Union had fallen apart. And what he meant was that, by that was that 25 million Russians suddenly found themselves in foreign countries. The former Soviet republics that became independent countries like Ukraine, Belarus, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and so on, 14 of them were all, there were many Russians living in those countries. They were living in the Soviet Union. And then suddenly, they're all living in foreign countries with borders. They have to get uh, visas to travel to their own Russia to see their families. In that sense, he said it was a great tragedy, not in the sense of there's no more Soviet Union. He said, yes, there are things that we regret, there are things we look back on with nostalgia, but we all realize that there cannot be a new Soviet Union. He said it just recently. He said it publicly. There is absolutely no possibility to return to what was once upon a time the Soviet Union. And the people who say that he's trying to do this are either uh, lying because they know it's not true or simply don't understand the situation, which is also quite possible. And, and that that refrain of reforming the Soviet Union, it would seem to me it completely ignores the fact that so much of Putin's political persona is being so staunchly anti-communist, which was a, a, a defining virtue of the or not a virtue, but it was a defining characteristic of the Soviet Union was communism. Well, absolutely. It was run by the, the Russian by the Soviet Communist Party. Uh, the idea was to create a communist society, which it never did, really. Most people, when they say communism uh, in the West, don't even know what it really is. It's just some kind of a, of a, a boogeyman, scary word. Uh, but uh, Putin is very anti-communist, very anti-Marxist, as a matter of fact. And he said it time and again. Uh, all you have to do is read his speeches, uh, and he's very clear about that. Whenever we speak on the radio... Uh, a lot of folks are very impressed with your analysis of global affairs or even American uh, geopolitical events. But I'm always deluged with some listeners that say, well, what is he going to say? He's not able to speak freely. Are you able, as a journalist in Russia, are you able to speak freely w uh, with your opinions and your analysis of the situation? You know, I really wish those people could actually come to Russia and see the situation. There are independent news outlets, independent radio, independent print, you know, independent television. Now, I want to make it quite clear. I'm saying this publicly, right? So they should understand that uh, <clears throat> I have the freedom to speech. Russia is not a democracy. Russia is not a democratic country, in my opinion. It is an autocracy. It is run by a government that is lacking in a democratic outlook. <clears throat> and I say this about Putin, so obviously uh, I can pretty much say what I want. Uh, it, is, it doesn't have the kind of freedom 
that you find in Western Europe, especially in the Scandinavian countries, which I think are the most democratic countries in the world, or for that matter in the States. Although in the States, much of the media is controlled by very large corporations, not by the government. And, and when the media is controlled by the corporations, it's not that much better than when it's controlled by the government. I mean, both, they're, they're worth each other, in my opinion. Can I say whatever I want? No, and nobody can anywhere in the world. I mean, you can say it, and then you can lose your job, as I lost my job in the United States uh, because I was fired by a man called Roger Ailes. So, you know, th this idea of being able to say what you want is um, doesn't really uh, correspond to the reality when you work in the media. But I consider myself to be quite free in the show that I have every week on Russian television. So let's discuss the situation involving Russia and Ukraine now as it relates to the United States. Uh, we've been told that uh, Vladimir Putin is practically itching to invade Ukraine and is uh, taking steps along those lines. Is that true from what you see of the situation? Does Vladimir Putin want to invade Ukraine? Oh, gosh. Um, Vladimir Putin wants Russia to feel safe. And he, and I believe the most of the people in the government, fear that Ukraine might become a member of NATO. And that means that NATO would have its contingent on Russia's border. Uh, and Russia sees that as a threat. And that's why Putin said, should NATO, should, should Ukraine become a member of NATO, that's a red line that we will not allow anyone to cross. Let me back up a little bit on this and remind everybody about 1962 when uh, Cuba and the Soviet Union agreed to have Russian missiles on Cuban soil. Now, they had the right to do that. They were two independent countries, and the Russians, or the Soviet Union back then, right, and Cuba with Fidel Castro, agreed to have these, weapon, these, um, these missiles deployed on Cuban soil. But the United States, John Kennedy, and the, the American leadership saw this as an existential threat. They said, we will not allow you to do this. And if we have to sink your ships, well, that's what we'll do. Well, thank heavens, Nikita Khrushchev, who was then the, the leader of the Soviet Union, had the wisdom not to insist, pulled back his ships, and those uh, missiles were never deployed on Cuban soil. Now, Russia sees NATO, uh, Ukraine becoming a, a member of NATO as an existential threat to Russia. Rightly or wrongly is something we can discuss, but that's the way it's seen. And that's why it's so dangerous, because uh, that's where, should that happen, there might be a military conflict. Putin has no intention of invading Ukraine per se. Uh, it would be a stupid thing, and it would be totally counterproductive. But I do believe that he will not allow, uh, and Russia will not allow Ukraine to become a member of NATO because it is seen as such a threat to Russian security. It's as if Mexico uh, became uh, a partner of Russia on the United States border. I don't think the United States would permit that. Is the idea of a Ukrainian invasion popular among rank-and-file Russians in Russia? That's a tough question to answer, Frank. Um, I, don't see, I, I haven't seen any polls 
to that effect one way or the other. The people that I know, my friends, my circle, are totally against it. But I do know that there are some people itching for a fight. There's no doubt about that, that there is a war party uh, in Russia, just as there is in the United States. There's a military-industrial complex that makes vast money on the production of arms, and arms eventually have to be used. I mean, once you make them, then one day you're going to use them. And I know that the... um, the way the situation is presented uh, in um, in the Russian media uh, can make some people kind of say, well, let's go get them the same way as it's presented in the United States. Uh, very negative about Russia, about Russia being a, an aggressive country, uh, a dangerous country, and something should be done about it. So I'm sure that in Russia, as well as in many other countries, there are forces that would like to see a war. Uh, and should it happen, that would be a catastrophe, because I'm certain that while it would begin with conventional weapons, as soon as one side saw that it was losing, it would use its nuclear arsenal. And that would be the beginning of the end, I think, for our civilization. I think so quite strike, uh, quite strongly. Presidents Biden and Putin had a video conference last week. ostensibly to simmer down tensions a bit, perhaps because of the threat of nuclear weapons that you just cited. We don't have audio or video of that meeting. Uh, We do have a summary from the Biden administration of what was discussed. Here was uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan talking about what President President Biden said to Putin should Putin go forward with a Ukrainian invasion. He told President Putin directly that if Russia further invades Ukraine, the United States and our European allies would respond with strong economic measures. We would provide additional defensive materiel to the Ukrainians above and beyond that which we are already providing. And we would fortify our NATO allies on the eastern flank with additional capabilities in response to such an escalation. Is the threat of sanctions enough to dissuade Putin from a military action? And is the threat of increased military aid to Ukraine from the United States enough to dissuade Putin and Russia from military action? You know, I thought I'd made it clear that uh, the Russian leadership has absolutely no intention of any kind of military action against Ukraine. The only danger, and and I, I also said this, is... Uh, Ukraine becoming a member of NATO. Should that happen, and I sincerely hope that some kind of agreement is reached to, to, uh, to, to, to guarantee that it won't, but should that happen, then I don't think that economic sanctions or any other sanctions would stop Russia from reacting. And I, you know, I, after all, I'm not the one who calls the, uh, uh, who makes the decisions, but my feeling is that when Putin says it's a red line, He really means it. And I'd like to remind everyone that he once said that when you see that a fight is inevitable, you should strike first. Mm. Uh, He's a uh, a serious human being uh, who cares, first and foremost, about the safety of his own country, about the safety of Russia. And if he sees and believes that what's going on in Ukraine threatens Russia's safety, then I think he he will act. So I don't think that uh, I, I don't know what uh, President Putin said in um, uh, said to uh, President Biden. What was his 
uh, view. That was not published anywhere. Um, it wasn't stated in the American press. It wasn't stated in the Russian press. He must have said something, and I would have liked to have known what and how he responded to those words. Uh, but I'm certain he said we have absolutely no intention of invading Ukraine unless the red line is crossed. So something we, to that effect, I would, I would imagine. If NATO and the United States were to make clear that there's no intention to have Ukraine join NATO, it sounds like that would go a long way towards diffusing a lot of these tensions. You know what, Frank, if that had been said, you know, from the very beginning, way back when, when Mikhail Gorbachev agreed to uh, the Berlin Wall coming down and the reunification of Germany and removing Soviet troops from eastern Germany, you know, back then, Secretary of State James Baker promised Gorbachev that NATO would not move one inch eastward uh, because of the Russian feeling about NATO's being a... Um, a military, political, aggressive power or organization aimed against the Soviet Union back then and later Russia. Had that uh, promise been kept, there would not be any Ukrainian situation as far as the Russians are concerned. NATO is the key to this. Whether or not Ukraine becomes a member of NATO is the key to the entire issue. And I, although I don't have the, uh, how should I say this, I'm not in a position to to do it, but I would guarantee that if such a, an agreement were reached, the Ukrainian conflict would disappear. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned that Russia is not a democracy. Uh, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Vladimir Posner, veteran uh, Russian journalist, also happens to be an American citizen as well. Do you consider Ukraine to be a democracy? Certainly not. Look, one of the re one of the important things people should understand is that in its entire history, uh, Ukraine, which was part of ancient Rus, R-U-S, as it was called then, way back when, okay, uh, and Russia were never a, demo a democracy. They never had democracy, never ever in their entire history, until quite recently when the Soviet Union fell apart. It was under Gorbachev initially that the first democratic states uh, steps in the history of Russia and Ukraine were actually taken. And democracy is not something you can decree. It's something you have to learn. It's a learning process. It took the United States quite a long time to really become a democratic country. I mean, they had to get rid of slaves uh, to begin with. So obviously, in the short 30 years since uh, Russia exists as an independent, non-communist country, it's impossible to become a democracy that quickly. It's going to take two or three generations. And that's why I say it's not a democratic country, not as a criticism, but simply as a fact. You cannot be, and now we are democratic. It take, it's a learning process, uh, and, and it's something that uh, is going on in Russia, uh, very slowly, very gradually, there are more and more democratic institutions. There is more and more democratic thought because it's the way people think that really determines democracy. But it is still not, in my opinion, a democratic country. Under both President Trump and President Biden, uh, the United States has, has given 
aid, including military aid to Ukraine uh, with the with the expectation that it would be used potentially at least against Russian troops. What has that done in your view to the relationship between the United States and Russia? How how significant of a setback is that to the cause of U.S.-Russian relations? Let me put it this way. It certainly doesn't help. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Look, the fact of the matter is, should, heaven forbid, Russia attack Ukraine, the the difference between the military power of the two countries is so great that Ukraine would be overcome in a very short time. No amount of American or British weapons have also been sent there, and French weapons, would really uh, make any difference. So it's more a gesture of kind of thumbing your nose at Russia and saying, see what we're doing, like it or not, and we're going to do more of it. Uh, it. It doesn't help at all. In fact, it spoils relations, and it's meaningless in the sense of, well, it's going to help Ukraine stand up to Russian aggression. Because if there is Russian aggression, and I say heaven forbid, then Ukraine is doomed. Russia was one of the first countries to have the COVID vaccine widely disseminated. How is the COVID situation in Russia these days? Um, it's slightly better than it was about a month ago or two. Uh, spike uh, in the number of people infected and in the number of deaths. Now for the past five weeks, it's slowly been going down. Mostly it's been very going down very quickly in Moscow, 40% lower than five weeks ago, but in the country uh, on the whole, it's down about um, seven or eight percent. So there's a gradual improvement, but uh, everyone's very careful about, you know, saying hurrah, hurrah, uh, because of the uh, the new virus that's come out and because um, we, we really don't know how to handle this thing. I mean, in the United States, you have uh, a huge problem. Uh, in, in Great Britain now, they have a huge problem. We seem, to be on the, we seem to be on the verge of saying, aha, finally, we've done it, and then it comes sweeping back. So, and then there are a lot of people in Russia who refuse to be vaccinated, um, anti-vaxxers, as they're called, and uh, the Russian government has been extremely liberal in not trying to force them to do so, but saying, trying to just explain, you should, you should, uh, but not using any really serious means of the coercion. Uh, so I would say that the situation is is getting better, but it's still far from what I would call um, normal. Uh, finally, sir, we've heard a great deal as well about uh, Russian support for the uh, embattled president of Belarus. What do Americans need to know about the situation in Belarus as it relates to uh, Russia? Is that going uh, is that going to be the next stage for some sort of a European revolution? Uh, I have to tell you personally that I uh, I'm, a, I'm totally against the, uh, the president of Belarus, Mr. Lukashenko. I consider him to be a dictator. And uh, actually, I consider him to be a criminal. Uh, that's not the view of the Russian government, but that's my personal view. Um, uh, on the other hand, uh, he's very faithful uh, to Russia. He's very faithful to uh, Mr. Putin. And Mr. Putin enjoys loyalty. That's more than anything else. So, uh, and then again, Belarus is very close to Russia in language and culture and in religion. 
So it's really seen as part of um, uh, part of a greater kind of Russia, if you will, although it's an independent country, but they have a lot of common interests. But I do think that um, Mr. Lukashenko's days are, are limited because uh, more and more people in Belarus are, are, are against him. Um, I think uh, the West uh, doesn't really understand what's going on there. Um, and he's a very clever man, I must say. Uh, but um, uh, Russia has a, Russia sees Belarus, I think, as a kind of an additional, um, how should I put this, bulwark uh, to protect its frontiers. And it will support um, any, um, any Belarusian leader who is pro-Russian. Hmm. Vladimir Posner, it is always interesting speaking with you. I hope we can do it again soon, sir. I hope so, too. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. Thank you. If you want want to comment on any portion of my discussion with Vladimir Posner, you're welcome to give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. We'll continue with your calls on the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. 77 WABC All American It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano 77 WABC Chuck Berry, Run Run Rudolph. We are celebrating all sorts of Christmas music from now until the end of the year. Our phone number is 1-800-848-9222. If you miss any portion of this show or any show, you can go to wabcradio.com and catch up on the podcast. You can also just go to whatever podcast app you like, uh, Spotify or um, wherever you get your podcasts, really, uh, iTunes, and search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. And if you hit the subscribe button, you'll get to hear the show in its entirety. If you uh, didn't get to hear my interview with uh, Larry Holcomb in the 2 a.m. hour about American presidents and their knowledge of UFOs, That's something you may want to check out. Certainly, it's an issue that uh, a lot of people are still talking about. But speaking of space, the final frontier, I have long been a fan of William Shatner. I uh, when he came back from space with Jeff Bezos on that Blue Origin flight. And I know Michael Strahan did the same thing on Saturday with Alan Shepard's daughter. And I think that's great, too. I'm all for pushing the envelope when it comes to space exploration and, uh, you know, all, all that stuff. I And by the way, I'd like to go to space. I'd like to be the first radio talk show host to broadcast from space. And I have a tweet, a, a tweet to that effect on my Twitter, personally reaching out to Elon Musk. So if you want to retweet that, you can go to at uh, Frank Morano. That's Frank M-O-R-A-N-O. But I did get a chance to see a couple of motion pictures over the course of the last week or two. And I will see anything with William Shatner. Anything. 
no matter how good or how bad, I am a longtime William Shatner fan. Uh, not only because I'm a Star Trek fan, but I just love Shatner. And I caught, and I don't know how I didn't hear about this film. I caught a terrific film. Um, terrific. It's very enjoyable, I'll say that, called Senior Moment. It's available on demand. I don't know what app I saw through. Now these smart TVs are so smart, you just speak into your television and say whatever you want to see, and it comes up. But it's called Senior Moment. I think it's on Apple TV. It's a romantic comedy starring William Shatner, who Shatner is 90. He is the youngest-looking 90-year-old I've ever seen. And it's no surprise to me that he plays a 72-year-old in this film. William Shatner is in it. Christopher Lloyd is in it, and Gene Smart. You remember Gene Smart from uh, Designing Women? She is terrific. It's a wonderful film, and I've always complained that there aren't a lot of great comedies geared towards older viewers. This is one, and i got to tell you, it's, it's really enjoyable. Is the plot a little bit predictable? Yeah, yeah. So is 95% of romantic comedies. It's a little predictable. But it's fun. It's a fun film, and I got to tell you, it's worth it just to see William Shatner and Christopher Lloyd because these guys both still have it in spades. The film is called Senior Moment. It's available on demand and in a lot of other places. If you're a Shatner fan or a Christopher Lloyd fan or a Gene Smart fan, it's worth seeing, and I really recommend it. Check it out. 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Neil on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Welcome back, Frank. Great to be back. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for the nice say- gift that you sent uh, young Carmine. I appreciated it. Thank you, Frank. And I also thank you for that commendation. That gives me number three, Frank. Almost <laughs> unattainable in the Frank Morano world. Uh, I think I should get a car, but you know what? I'll settle for a tank of gas. I think it's worth more. <laughs> Well, I'd like to say two things, Frank. Number one, I thought your favorite charity was the uh, Hard Rock or the Bagada. Uh, trust me, I may enjoy gambling from time to time, but uh, I will never confuse uh, uh, making a charitable contribution with uh, with losing money gambling. No way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> also, the other thing is I want to talk about the Viagra. I mean, it, it was such a silly thing that you said that maybe I'm going to take Viagra. Number one, could you imagine if you took Viagra, Frank, and you walk around the station with an erection all day, a five-hour erection, you meet Jet Set, and she says, oh, Frank, is that for me? And you say, oh, no, I'm treating my Alzheimer's. I mean, no one's going to believe it, Frank. It's a good way to lose your job. Well, no, well, I mean, that's a fair point. Maybe it's uh, – so it's uh, I, you lose your mind or your job. I guess that's the, cho- that's the choice there. Thank you, Neil. 800-848-9222. Very quickly, let me go to Joel in Manhattan. Hello, Joel. Hi. Congratulations. Of course, this is a repeat uh, Thank statement. You. Also, welcome back. Indeed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Regarding Mr. Post, I was going to ask him the question. I wasn't sure whether this was live or not. Nevertheless, I'd like to mention two points. Regarding the Soviet Union, 29 million Human beings, uh, you know, sacrifice their lives, uh, especially in view of World War II. They joined hands with the Allies to defeat the Nazis. Otherwise, God knows what would have happened. Consequently, who would have been victorious? 
So Russia or the Soviet Union, you know, has proven to be a natural ally of the United States and the West. Now, right now, 28 nations are surrounding Russia with nuclearized weapons. What is Russia going to do? Establish some sort of a buffer zone in uh, Ukraine, you know? Joe, I have uh, to end it there. I'm out of time. I appreciate the call. Until next hour, your influence counts, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno, back from a two-week hiatus, not because I was uh, vacationing in Hawaii, but because I uh, was looking after the newest member of the Morano household, my young son, Carmine, and uh, perhaps... Matt Blaze, our engineer, knows something that I don't because maybe I am I have gotten a little rusty because usually going into the four o'clock hour, we hear the swan silver tones sing. I'm not tired yet. Well, I guess my eyes are looking a little heavy because Matt decided to, as part of the radio deep state, take it upon himself not to play that as our top of the hour theme and instead to play our conventional our thing, but it's his first day back as well. Uh, so uh, maybe we shouldn't read too much into it. Hey, I got one email here, and you can email me as well, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Uh, Ellen reminds me, we were talking all about charity earlier, and we mentioned some great charities uh, Police Athletic League, National Psoriasis Foundation, St. Jude's, National Center for Science Education, Red Cross, Disabled American Veterans, Prison Fellowship, Tunnel to Towers Foundation, the list goes on and on. She mentioned, and it's important as well, the importance of being an organ donor. We are near the bottom of the list as a country and as a region in terms of organ donations. I'm an organ donor, always been very proud to do it. Uh, I'm giving my organs when I die. I haven't been become a living organ donor. But my friend Danielle, um, yesterday was actually what she calls her kidneyversary, the anniversary of when she gave her kidney, living, all living, to a co-worker and saved that co-worker's life. So uh, there are so few opportunities that most of us actually have to save someone's life. You can do it by being a blood donor. You can do it by being a bone marrow donor. But you can certainly do it by being an organ donor. And I really encourage everybody, if you're looking for a great charitable cause this winter, think about being an organ donor. And we've heard from listeners to this show who need an organ. Uh, they're on dialysis, for instance, and they're hoping to get a kidney. So uh, please consider being an organ donor. It's a great way. You want to get on the fast track to heaven that's a great way to do it. I'll tell you. You really, you you know, you get a lot of sin. I don't know how it works. I don't pretend to know how divinity works. But you know you get a lot of sins absolved 
if you become a living organ donor and save someone's life by giving them part of your organ. Come on. You know you get a few opportunities to cut someone off in traffic. Hey, uh, speaking of sin and uh, different societal mores, there's a story that I saw in The Sun, which which caught my eye, and I've just linked to it on uh, my Facebook page at facebook.com slash moranofan, and I want to encourage you to check it out because part of it is visual. Um, and I think this is a real shame. There's an actress in Ghana named Akapem Pulu, and she... She's a beautiful woman. You know, she's like a lot of actresses. Uh, She's a beautiful woman who posed naked with her seven-year-old son. Now, the son is wearing uh, underwear. He's wearing uh, uh, underwear briefs. Seven years old. The, The mother, the actress, is totally naked in this photo. And it was filmed. Uh, it was it was uh, photographed and posted and it was meant to be artsy from what it looks like to me. The actress is also known as Rosemond Brown. She has now lost her appeal. And she is going to. I realize the laws are different in Ghana, but she is actually going to prison for 90 days for taking and sharing this photo that she took with her son in June of 2020 on his birthday. The court found in Ghana, again, I want to make clear, not the United States, this is Ghana. The court found that the 31-year-old actress was guilty of posting obscene material and domestic violence last April after the image was shared on social media. Now, a lot of people in this country are not happy about this, including one of the hip-hop's leading influencers, Cardi B. She called the decision harsh. Now, as soon as this actress found out that this was inappropriate, she took the photo down and apologized. But the Ghanaian authorities decided to make an example of the star due to the rise of obscene con- <clears throat> obscene content in the country. She was charged with publishing obscene material. She was charged with carrying out domestic violence that undermined another person's privacy or integrity, and this domestic violence that could harm someone's self-worth and dignity. The three charges were ruled to run consecutively for a total of 90 days. In April, a judge said the court is bothered with posting nude photos on social media. Um, Ghana's criminal court dismissed the actress's appeal, and she now has to serve her sentence behind bars. After the sentencing, Cardi B said on Twitter for her 18 million followers, I see a lot of Americans do photo shoots like this. Even though it's not my style, I don't think she was going for sexual, more going the natural idea. I think jail is a bit harsh. Maybe social media, probation, or community service. I'm about to say four words that I never thought I would say in my entire life. I agree with Cardi B. This is crazy. 
And I recognize that a lot of countries have crazy laws. But for this actress who was naked and was not engaging in child abuse, for her to go to jail for 90 days for this photograph is nuts. 800-848-WABC. I'd like for you to go to my Facebook page, take a look at this photo, and then, that's facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan, and then call me and tell me if you are, agree with Cardi B and me, which is that this woman should not go to prison for 90 days for sharing a photo. I would never share a photo like this, but I don't look as good naked as this woman, but I would, I mean, I don't think it's a good idea for adults to pose naked with their own children, but to say it's child abuse and domestic violence, I think is way out of whack. To me, it looks like the authorities targeted her because she's a star in Ghana and because she's an actress. But this photo is relatively tastefully done. It's not pornography. Now, I think it was, um, I don't know if it was the whole Supreme Court or one Supreme Court justice uh, who defined pornography as we know it when we see it. That's the story with pornography. I mean, what separates a nude painting from pornography? Well, we know it when we see it. This is not pornography. So after serving several days in prison before being released on bail, pending the outcome of her appeal, this actress has now been told she must complete the whole term behind bars. Now, look, she's not going to uh, – she'll survive doing three months in prison. But why? Why? To me, this makes no sense. I'd love to know your view on this. Um, And you're welcome to disagree. If you think that uh, even in the United States that you should go to prison for sharing a photo like this, that's your view. Tell me why. 800-848-WABC. That's uh, 1-800-848-9222. We got the $1,000 minute coming up at uh, 430. I got some fresh new questions for you. If you've not tuned in to that contest, that means uh, that's when you have 60 seconds to answer 10 trivia questions. They're relatively easy questions. They're just from a variety of different uh, subjects. You have to know a little bit about everything. It's coming up in about 20 minutes, so stay tuned for that. Uh, let me say hello to Ralph in New Jersey. Hello, Ralph. Yeah, with regard, with regard to welcome back from the brief hiatus that you are. Thank you. Thank you very and, much, Ralph. Uh, thank you. Congratulations, commendations. Thank goes you. Over to you for being a, a father now. Thank Full you. Full-fledged father, I should say that. Uh, you know, regarding the uh, the picture that you mentioned out of uh, Ghana, Africa, what's the difference between having a photograph of a pregnant woman and that appeared here in this our country? Okay, uh, we're also falling naked, and that one, I, in memory serves, that was Jimmy Moore. Yeah, that's I, right. That that's right. And you know, it's funny okay. that you, it's funny right. that you what said was that. What's the reaction then? Well, it's funny that you well, said that because. I thought of exactly the same thing and thought of exactly that photo. Oh, it's, thank you. <laughs> it's not – and thank you for the call, Ralph. It's not exactly the same case, obviously, because, I don't know, maybe uh, you know the 7-year-old, while he's not naked, he is – I mean he is in his underwear. 
he is sort of scantily clad. So maybe there is a fear that you're promoting child pornography or obscene obscene material involving children. I don't think so. Uh, uh, and look, if this is the laws of this country, maybe you fine her. She took it down right away. She was not hiding with this thing. I mean, she clearly meant this as a very artistic expression. I, I don't think this is something that people should be going to prison for, personally. Eh, tell me what you think. 800-848-9222. It is different than the Demi Moore situation, but it's not that much different. You both had uh, actresses using nudity, one, I guess, for publicity – and two, as a way, as a method of artistic expression, as opposed to sexual arousal. That's my take on it. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. Sam is in Woodside. Hello, Sam. Yeah, great hearing your voice again. Thanks. Okay. Also, uh, I think it's more jealousy than uh, than pornography. I think that the people in the Supreme Court of Ghana are very jealous people, particularly the women, and and they can't measure themselves up to her. Anyway, I want to talk about Wagner Portner, whatever his... That was a brilliant in, in, interview, and I view, uh, let's say, um, uh, competitors. I view the United States and Russia as competitors, not as enemies, like uh, the Green Bay Packers against the Chicago Bears. And I thought the officiating on that on that uh, uh, football game tonight was terrible against the Bears. But I, I think that um, what's his name, the pre uh, President Trump, views Russia as a competitor and not an enemy. And also this asshole in the president. All right, we we can't say that there, uh, uh, Sam. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean he. Would he invite as many people as want to come into his house, his private house, as he's letting into the southern border? Would he just let them come in? Come on in. Come on in. He's a jerk. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate that very much. All right. Um, so uh, take a look at this photo. Tell me your view on it. So far, the reaction has been... Fairly mixed. I, I think, uh, you know, it's tough to view this and think that this is somebody that deserves to go to prison. In my view, maybe you disagree. 800-848-9222. Take a look at the photo and then weigh in. I'll tell you, though, this actress is in tip-top shape and clearly not an extra ounce of fat on her body, which is more than can be said for me. You know, I love my wife. But I got to tell you, yesterday I was quite irked at her. You know why? She has lost already all of her baby weight. All of her baby weight. The, every ounce that she put on during her pregnancy, she has already taken off. She looks great. She looks better than she did uh, before, before she was even with child. I, I'll tell you who that cannot be said of. Me, your humble correspondent, the Frankster. I have not taken off my baby weight, but I am prepared to do so uh, at, thanks to Mitch Suss and the Skinny Center. The, you know, it's been, t it's been tough 
with people coming to visit the last two weeks, people try to be helpful. So they'll send food. They'll send snacks. They'll bring food. And there's all this surplus food in the house. And the big challenge is how do you avoid snacking on all this stuff? Well, Mitch Suss and the Skinny Center are the experts in making sure you don't overindulge. Now, this is a great program. Greg Kelly went on this program. Greg Kelly looks great. You can see him on regular, regularly on television or on the WABC uh, Facebook page. He looks great. He went through this program it, uh, through, from Mitch Suss and the Skinny Center in Westchester County. Mitch Suss is a great guy. And uh, he is somebody that uh, knows a thing or two about how to get people in tip-top shape. So if you want to help avoid putting on the extra pounds during the holiday season, think about reaching out to the Skinny Center. They're giving three free facials if you sign up now. I did not know that, actually. You can call the Skinny Center at 914-703-703. 4811. Let me repeat that for you. I'm going to ask you to write this number down. That's 914-703-4811. You can also go to theskinnycenter.com. That's theskinnycenter.com. We all, well, many of us anyway, put on weight during the holiday season. You know, I feel like every night is a different invitation to a different Christmas party. If you feel like that, I mean, and then you go to these Christmas parties, you got booze, you got eggnog, you have hors d'oeuvres, then you have a big sumptuous meal, then you have dessert. It's easy to pack on the pounds. It's tough to take it off. That's where the Skinny Center can help. 914-703-4811 or go to the Skinny Center. Dot com. That's the skinny center.com. Uh, open phone lines. We'll take your calls next. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven open lines if you want to comment on this situation involving obscenity and domestic violence. And then a little bit later, we'll play the $1,000 minute. A few other things I'm going to share with you throughout the course of the hour as well. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno, taking you until the uh, WABC early news at uh, 5 o'clock. Hosting the WABC early news today will be Deb Valentine, distinguished journalist and uh, news anchor. Does a great job each and every morning. Um, You know, I was actually talking with our president, uh, Chad Lopez, about, um, you know, how to make sure I can give this show... The other side of midnight, my all, um, and still, you know, be an attentive parent to young Carmine. And I think what we're actually going to do is uh, probably I I do not think that I'm going to continue as the host of the WABC Early News. I've certainly enjoyed doing it, but uh, I got an inkling last week 
about some of the big things that are planned for this program, the overnight program, in 2022. And I can't share all those details with you now, but there's some very, very big things. And uh, we both thought that uh, my energies would be better spent on um, this show, the overnight show, as opposed to uh, the uh, WABC Early News. So uh, hosting that program today will be Deb Valentine, who, trust me, is a much better choice on any day of the week than I am in terms of news dissemination. But speaking of distinguished journalists, I am very, very lucky to be able to see most days, at least four days a week, Dominic Carter here in the studio. And that is today's 77 WABC clip of the day, uh, curated by the one and only Chris Libertini, edited by Alex Barnard. Here, Dominic Carter talks about COVID and politics. Nearly 780,000 Americans have died from COVID-19, with nearly as many dying under Biden as Trump. So you may recall Biden's claim that anyone who is responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States. So that begs the question, is that still the standard now that more Americans have died under President Biden than President Trump. So there you go. That's Dominic Carter. You can hear him every weekday at uh, midnight. He does a great job. And I'll tell you, it's so refreshing to listen to Dominic because he not only does he have an encyclopedic knowledge of New York politics, but the guy is just so fair. He's an honest broker. He calls him as he sees him. And he's really just such a great addition to this radio station, and it's great to follow him on a daily basis. So that is the 77 WABC clip of the day. Here, Dominic, every day at midnight. And uh, he is certainly never at a loss for interesting things. By the way, I was mentioning earlier the incredible Frank Sinatra coverage we did yesterday uh, on this radio station in honor of the chairman of the board's birthday. If you didn't get to hear Joe Piscopo's program, he's the vice chairman of the board from Patsy's last night. Please be sure to check out the podcast at WABCRadio.com. That's at WABCRadio.com. And uh, let me say hello to Mike in New Rochelle. Hello there, Mike. Hello, Frank. Welcome back. We Great to be back. You. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I was listening to to all the rewind stuff and uh, Curtis filled in for you, and he's when he talks about you, it's hysterical. He's funny. The to... guy the guy is a brilliant wit, no doubt about it. He yeah, he comes he really comes alive at night. This is like the first chance I got to listen to him at late night, and and whenever he brought you up, I, I had tears in my eyes. Uh, I was wondering if you were here listening. To I, I did. I, I heard uh, you know again uh, being up every two hours. Of to uh, feed my son, um, I, w- I heard quite a bit of it, and uh, yeah, I thought it was hysterical. I, I thought he, uh, Curtis is a he's a brilliant wit, and I think he's. Uh, I agree, he's uh, tailor made for overnight radio. Hopefully, management doesn't give him my job though. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I didn't. I wasn't going there. No, I, I just wanted you. to let you know. You know, you had some entertainment covering for you. I wanted to personally congratulate you on the birth of your son. My grandfather was named Carmine, and my best friend is named Carmine, so you got a, a Carmine, and 
you know, welcome to the world. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that very much. It's great to see we have uh, similar familial names. Yeah, we named him. His name's Carmine William. He's named after my father, who's Carmine, and my wife's father, who uh, was William. And in my family, it's uh, sort of a tradition. Your firstborn son is named either Carmine or Frank. So uh, my father is Carmine. His father was Frank. His father was Carmine. So, you know, the tradition continues. It was an important tradition for me. And uh, I'm thrilled that my wife uh, you went along with that. When we were when we were courting, I uh, b- before we were married, I told her that this that if we had a son and who knew if we were going to have children or if we were going to have uh, a boy or a girl or what the case may be. But I said, you know, if we have a son as our first child, it's very important to me that uh, we name him Carmine because of this tradition. And um, she I said, you know, I'm prepared to negotiate away all the other names. If we have five other sons after that, you can name all the other five. If we have a girl and we don't end up having any boys, you can name her. I said, that's the only thing I'm asking is that we name him Carmine. And I thought it would be nice to name it for both of our fathers. And she ultimately agreed. So so he became named as Carmine. Uh, I'll tell you, why don't we give you an opportunity to win some money? If you're the seventh caller right now, to 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. You'll have the opportunity to answer uh, 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. You can go ahead and call right now, 800-848-9222. I will tell you, speaking of winning things, I am amazed whenever I go to a charity function and they offer a silent auction I do the same thing every time. This happened when I was at Harry Hurley's charity event a couple of months ago in Atlantic City, and it happened at a Christmas party. I went to a Christmas party the other day, and they had a silent auction. And I don't know about you, but whenever I'm at one of these these events that offers a silent auction, and it's usually for charity. It's almost always for charity. My brain always goes the same way, which is I start off hoping that I win the silent auction. And then I get panicked that I might win the silent auction because ultimately you end up spending more money on this silent auction than you would have liked. So I was at this Christmas party the other day and they're auctioning off. Now I got to go to Rayo's recently and that's really an experience. It's a once in a lifetime experience. So I saw that they're auctioning off a table, uh, a, a dinner at Rayo's and for six, a reservation at Rayo's for uh, January 4th. Now, I put down the bid and it was I, – I don't even want to say how much money I put down because if my wife's listening, she'll just get upset that I – in an era where we're counting our pennies that I wagered this much money. And then <laughs> I see on the sign, I read it a little more closely – and the the auction was not even for a full dinner at Rayo's. It was just for the reservation. So you get the if you, you spend whatever it is, let's say it's seventeen hundred dollars, let's say, you spend that amount of money and then you still have to buy the dinner. So it's not as if you even get the free dinner. If you spend that amount of money to get, I mean, it's, I, it still probably would have been cool to win it. Thankfully, I don't think I did win it because nobody reached out to me.
saying that I won. So hopefully somebody else won. But that's always my uh, that's always my modus operandi with these silent auctions. You start out hoping that you win, and then you finish the night biting your teeth, uh, biting your nails, and gritting your teeth, worried that you might win. But uh, my my thinking was, oh, maybe I'd make it a Christmas gift for my my parents or something. Give it to them. I don't know that they've been, but still, it was a lot more money than I was hoping to spend. All right. Without further ado, it's time for The Other Side of Midnight presents It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. All right, let's meet today's contestant, Arthur on Staten Island. Hello there, Arthur. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great, Arthur. I appreciate you asking very much. Thank you. How are you? Good, I think. All right, good. So, Arthur, are you familiar with this contest? Uh, yes. Okay, so it's simple enough. You just have to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. Um, if you get one wrong, then you then you lose. But uh, the trick is not to get flustered because they're easy questions, and sometimes people get nervous and they get these easy questions incorrect. So if the answer seems obvious, that's the answer. Don't overthink it. That's my advice to you. The clock is going to start um, as soon as I ask the first question. You ready to go? Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. What month does Christmas occur in? December. Who filled in for me on this program for the last two weeks? Curtis Lewa. What cable TV network recently fired Chris Cuomo? Uh, CNN, I believe. What New York Attorney General just announced that she's not running for governor? Uh... Uh, I can't think of it. I'm sorry. Uh, Take a guess. Take a guess. Jones? John Johnson? I'm sorry. The correct answer, Arthur, was uh, Letitia James, the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James. Uh, But uh, get Arthur's information. Arthur seems like a great guy, and we don't want him to go away empty-handed. So we're going to send him a uh, the other side of midnight baseball cap. Uh, Ryan is going to take your information and uh, get your get your information to the powers that be so that you can be the proud owner of a the other side of midnight baseball cap. Hey, if you want a um you know I, I somebody else who won this contest recently sent me a picture of them with the hat and uh, looks great. I mean, I, it's great to see listeners handling it with um so much humor, wearing it in different places, getting the word out about the show. Uh, but if you are not lucky enough to win one, you can certainly buy one. All you have to do is go to WABCRadioStore.com. There's a ton of great WABC merchandise on there, including the other side of Midnight Baseball Cap. Hey, my thanks to our owner, uh, John Katsimatidis. He was kind enough to invite me on his show Friday night to talk about this North Pole situation. And then they actually replayed that, um, that interview this morning. And, uh, oh, excuse me, Sunday morning. And I can't tell you, I got such great feedback to that. And I'm working on a big segment on this this week 
And if you're not familiar with this North Pole situation, it's really interesting. It's really so mysterious. And I'm working on getting one of the key scientists behind this to talk about it. And I'm hoping a little later in the week to talk with Dr. Sky about it as well. But in in a nutshell, I won't give you the whole thing because we're going to delve into this later in the week in a big way. In a nutshell, around noontime at the North Pole, you can strange things are happening. So when the sun is at its highest point, a funnel-shaped gap in the planet's magnetic field passes overhead. The Earth's magnetic field shields us from the solar wind, the stream of changed particles which is spewing off the sun. So the gap in that field, which is called the polar cusp, allows the solar wind a direct line of access to the Earth's atmosphere. So lo and behold, in this one area, radio signals are all screwed up. GPS signals behave strangely. And even spacecraft that have tried to travel over this area over the course of the last 20 years notice something else unusual as the spacecrafts pass through this region. The spacecrafts slow down. They don't want to slow down. They just get slowed down by the atmosphere. So what in the world is going on in the North Pole? So I was talking about this with uh, the lineup of uh, hosts on the Cats at Night show, John Katzmatidis, Lydia Serrani, Judd Richard Weinberg, Tony Carbonetti, and Governor David Patterson on Friday. And Tony Carbonetti had a great line. He said, uh, please, it's Christmas time, Frank. Oh, because NASA is sending a rocket to study this now. They've sent it. And so Tony Carbonetti says, please, Frank, it's Christmas time. Don't go messing around at the North Pole firing off rockets. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. 800-848-WABC. That's uh, 800-848-9222. Mark is in New Haven. Hello, Mark. Frank, a mazel tov on the baby and best to you and Rachel. Thank you. Number two is... Um, I don't think peanut butter is an alternative to cream cheese on an everything bagel or a garlic bagel. Number three is I'm grateful for your um, exploration of uh, the UFOs changed my mind completely in that I guess you had on a few weeks ago um, said that we couldn't build Stonehenge today, much less in ancient times. And I thought that was pretty thought provoking, although it doesn't change my life much day to day. And uh, finally, how angry I am at the Clintons for violating uh, the pledge that James Baker made to expanding NATO to Russia's border and contributing to the problems we have today. And Mrs. Clinton for hamstringing Donald Trump with the fake dossier. Well, you covered a lot of ground there, Mark. Uh, I'll tell you, the next time uh, I have a child, they may call upon you to host the show instead of Curtis Lee. You covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. It takes me takes me five minutes to say hello and say my name. You just did uh, two hours worth of content uh, within within a minute and a half there, Mark. Well done. At least you know. At least you know I was listening. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you very much. All the best to you, pal. Good to have you back. I appreciate it. It's great to be back. Mark. Also, if as you celebrate Christmas. Watch our movie, Charlie's Christmas Wish, about helping homeless veterans again 
uh, this Christmas and make it a Christmas tradition. Oh, That's you know right. what, uh, Mark? Uh, I, I have seen that film, as you know, and, uh, and I spoke with uh, one of the stars of that uh, film. I enjoyed it very much. I think it's a great Christmas movie. If people want to see that, Charlie's Christmas Wish, and we have a lot of animal lovers in our audience, and if you're a dog lover especially, it's a fun movie to watch. If people want to see that, how can they see that, Mark? Well, it's certainly available on Apple and, and Amazon, but also right now it's available for free on Tubi TV, T-U-B-I. And, um, and we certainly want people to watch it and help homeless that. Great. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, it's a great Christmas film. It's a family film. It's a family film. So it's, uh, it is nice. I, uh, I didn't get a chance to watch as many films as I had hoped over the last week or two because most of my time was spent with young Carmine. Um, and we did have a lot of visitors. You know, by my count, I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this because some people may get upset. By my count, since the baby was born, we had 35 separate visitors. 35 visitors. My wife was just exhausted. And, and that was one of the reasons she said to me the other day, you know, I'm kind of hoping that you – I'm kind of looking forward to you going back to work because you keep having people stop by the house. But you know what? I don't know what to tell these people. They keep wanting to come see the baby. So we're very we're cautious, though. We make everybody um, wash their hands and everything if they get close to the baby so there's no spreading of the uh, the germs. I've gotten – I'm vaccinated for everything now. I've gotten – not only I've gotten my COVID booster. I got the flu shot. I even got something called a, a DTaP booster, which uh, eliminates uh, or reduces your likelihood of whooping cough. So I'm vaccinated for everything. Rachel's vaccinated for everything. And uh, we had t- two family members, my brother and her sister, who felt the slightest bit of a cold when they were slight, uh, scheduled to come. And they said, all right, we're not going to come. We don't want to get the baby sick. So we're asking everybody to be responsible. And we're again, we're sanitizing everything, washing uh, and having everybody wash their uh, their hands. But I'm vaccinated for everything. I used to be very skeptical of the flu shot and not want to get the flu shot. And I was listening to Curtis talk about the flu shot um, on the show that preceded this one. But uh, I am the opposite now. The more research that I've done, I get vaccinated for everything. I'm at the point where where if they are offering a shot for anything, I just get it. I you know, just on my yesterday they were offering shots at Jägermeister. I got one of those. Just to be safe, because I, I didn't want to, I didn't want Carmine to get anything that would be prevented by that Jägermeister shot. All right, 800-848-9222. Big Julie is in Brooklyn. Hello, Big Julie. Frankie, glad to see you back. Congratulations for the new baby. Thank you. Carmine's Thank you. Thank a good. You. It's a good. Carmine is one of my uncle's names. It's a great name, and I'm glad a baby and everything's going good. Frankie, Thank you. He was one of my favorite uncles as well. Was Carmine? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Listen. This uh, bagel thing, what to put on a bagel. And there's plenty of it out there. People don't know about it. It's called mascarpone. It's an Italian cream cheese. Try it. M-A-R. No, I, well, that's S- what's in tiramisu, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, well, you, but you know your food, Frankie. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I know it a little too well, uh, which is why I have to get to the uh, Skinny Center. Yeah, a couple of other callers called up and suggested mascarpone uh, cheese as well. Maybe I don't know what the situation there is. I don't know if there there's going to be a mascarpone shortage the way there is with the cream cheese shortage, but we're going to explore this a little bit each night until we can get through this crisis together. Hey, one thing I did want to mention 
Um, I saw the news yesterday that Chris Wallace is leaving the Fox News channel to go to uh, CNN's uh, new streaming network. I do think – I know this might be an unpopular thing with a lot of you. I do think Chris Wallace, by and large, as the host of Fox News Sunday, did a good job. I, look, I'm a, I was a Trump supporter and I thought there were a number of incidents during the 2016 campaign – uh, where Chris Wallace was a little unfair to Trump. But you know what? Donald Trump's a big boy. He can handle Chris Wallace answering, asking him a tough question. I thought it was a shame uh, to see Chris Wallace go. I thought over the last 18 years, by and large, again, he's done some things that I didn't like, but by and large, I think he's done a great job. Uh, and I guess maybe people thought he was too liberal or that he wasn't a conservative. I don't think you want a network, whether you're talking television or radio, that's just an echo chamber for one side or another. To me, that was one of the great things and has been one of the great things about Fox News is you have um, standard conservatives, uh, opinion hosts like Sean Hannity. But then you also have kind of populist style conservatives like uh, Tucker Carlson and Steve Hilton and Laura Ingram. But you also have some great straight news reporters uh, and straight news anchors. Eric Sean. I don't think there's a better reporter in the business than Eric Sean. Uh, James Rosen back in the day. And I think Chris Wallace. But you also have a lot of great liberal commentators on there. Uh, you have Geraldo, who's sort of a—I mean, I, I know he's a Republican, but he's sort of a liberal Republican. Juan Williams uh, has a lot of great liberal commentary, and uh, but obviously, before he passed away, Alan Combs used to have Bob Beckel on there. I think you want a diversity of views, and I think that's one of the reasons Fox News did so well is uh, that it did provide an alternative to what you were getting in the mainstream media, but it did offer a lot of great opportunities for. Left versus right debates. So uh, I am uh, I am sorry to see Chris Wallace go. I, it doesn't affect me too much because I'll be honest, I don't watch much in the way of cable news. I watch uh, Michael Smirconish, who I'm thrilled, by the way. I haven't seen him at night yet, but I'm thrilled that he's taken over for Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo, in my view, was just awful. I mean, there's, the fact that Chris Cuomo was on television was a textbook definition, uh, a textbook example of A, nepotism, and B, the Peter principle. But Smirconish does a real show. I mean, I love him on Saturday mornings. So I like Smirconish and I like Tucker, but I really don't care for cable news in general. I don't find it terribly informative. I much prefer radio. You can have in-depth discussions on different things. But I thought Chris Wallace was a, a smart guy. And uh, just because he might not agree with your point of view on some things, eh, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I thought he was a he, – he reminded me in a lot of ways of Tim Russert. Um, because he was perceived as being sort of fair, I thought they had on Fox News Sunday a lot of great Republican and Democratic guests. So they ended up having newsmakers from across the political spectrum, but also – I thought that when Chris Wallace had someone on, whether it was somebody like Bill Clinton or uh, or uh, someone like that or even President Trump, I got the impression that Chris Wallace would always ask the toughest questions that he could think of, of everybody. And that's what I would always look for in a, in a news anchor. I know in the Facebook group they were really 
ragging on Chris Wallace. I thought that was a little unfair. I liked Chris Wallace going way back to when he was the uh, host of Meet the Press. And he's got a, he's a seasoned journalist. I think he's done a great job over the last 18 years there. So I wish him the best of luck with this new endeavor. But, uh, again, doesn't affect me tremendously uh, either way. 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Joe in Ronkonkoma. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Welcome back. It's glad to hear your voice. Uh, Thank you. Great to be back. Congratulations on that baby. My wife follows you on Instagram. Very, very adorable. Uh, That's very nice of you and her. Thank you. I have one question. Now, you're not going to be doing the morning show. What happened with Juliet Huddy? Uh, You know, I don't really know the deal uh, there. I'll be honest. I've been sort of out of the loop these last two weeks. So uh, I I, I, I don't know. uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the story is. I imagine you'll hear something in in the next day or two if there hasn't been something new. I want to wish you and your family and all the listeners a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, Joe. Best to you as well. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. 800-848-9222. We'll do 15 seconds of fame coming up in just a few minutes. By the way, Joe was kind enough to mention uh, my Instagram. Yeah, I have. I did post on Instagram. I think it was on Instagram. Where you could find me at Morano Vision. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Vision. Uh, a photo of my literally stealing or taking candy from a baby. And the baby in this case was, was my son, Carmine. And I'll be honest with you. It's it's one of those cliches which actually is true. It actually is pretty easy to take candy from a baby, and I have photographic evidence to that end. So there's some photos of uh, Carmine on Facebook. I'm not going to make this all a a, a Carmine show. This, this is actually Carmine crying, right? Yeah. Oh no, it's not him, or is it? Oh, it is him. You think I'd rec- recognize him? It is him. You must right. have been taking candy from him because he's crying right. pretty he hard. Right, must have been. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I do. I did. I do feel bad listening to him cry, and uh, not being around there for him. But it is actually pretty easy to take candy from a baby. It's not just an expression, you know. But anyway, so on Facebook um, and on Instagram, I- I've been posting uh, different photos, but I've posted different photos in different places. So in order to see everything, you have to follow me everywhere. So that's Facebook.com slash MoranoFam and on Instagram at MoranoVision. But something that uh, I have not yet stolen from young Carmine because he hasn't yet tried this is life change tea. Once he's old enough to be drinking tea, um, he can get try some of this. But if you are up for better digestive health, and you are up for an improvement in your energy levels. You've got to try Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. It's a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. If you're feeling stopped up and bloated, that is never a good feeling. And that's where Life Change Tea, which is all natural, by the way, no GMOs, no preservatives, no chemicals, that's where that comes in. One package is going to last you a whole month, and it's not available in stores. It's only available by logging on to the website, getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com, and you can use the promo code FRANK and get some free shipping. 
While you're there, you can check out all the other great products that are designed for your optimum health, and the same deal applies. If you use the promo code FRANK, you get free shipping. GetTheTea.com. It is the tea that makes you go. We'll do 15 seconds of fame next if you want to start queuing up. 800-848-9222. Any subject is fair game for 15 seconds. You're hearing things. You're hearing things. On 77 WABC. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas The great Dean Martin... It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Uh, by the way, I have worked with our acting program director, Matt Meany, um, to get on our approved music list several of William Shatner's Christmas songs. So throughout the whole week, in fact, for the rest of the year, you will be able to hear on the show some of the great songs from Shatner Claus. It is a terrific Christmas album. It is one of my favorites. And, you know, Shatner is Jewish. So the fact that he is able to pull off Christmas songs that well shows you need not be a, a Gentile in order to have the Christmas spirit because the spirit is very much with him. All right. Uh, we are going to give you an opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds. It is great to be back. I have missed doing this for the last 15, uh, for the last two weeks. And if you want to email me, if you want to comment on anything we've done today, uh, we will read your best and worst emails tomorrow at uh, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Meantime, it's time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Let's begin with Robert in Carlstadt. Hello, Robert. Congrats, Frank. By your desire to go to space, I understand. By your weightlessness, it's going to be shortly. And you're going to be back to regular wave at Earth. Thank you. Let's hope so. Fred's in Yonkers. Hello. Hey, congratulations on the baby. I missed you. I always thought the stork delivered classic pickles. But I guess around Thanksgiving, it delivers a 13-pound butterball. We want the flurry dories. We want the flurry dories. Mike is in Staten Island. Hello. Hey, uh, congratulations on the birth of Carmine William from Chris, Joe, John, and myself, and I'm glad you liked the photo. Thank you, Mike. 800-848-9222. Anthony in Woodbridge. Hey, good to hear your voice again. Uh, not missing Chris Wallace and not missing Julia. Uh, hope or Hopefully they'll become the next Romeo and Juliet and disappear and never be heard from. White, Mike Wallace with his little... All right. Anthony is in Woodbridge. Hello, Anthony. Oh, I got Anthony already. Ted is in Forest Hills. Hello, Ted. Yes, I want the babe to live 1.5. 1.5 centuries. Ask the doctor about germs, dummy. 
And also, there are no aliens. There's no interstellar space travel. Thank you so much. God bless. Raji's in Manhattan. Hello, Raji. With close to a million non-citizens voting in New York City elections, 75% of whom are Hispanic, therefore non-Hispanic candidates would have no chance of success. Thank you, Raji. 800-848-9222. Jimmy's in the Bronx. Hello. Hey, congratulations on Carmine. Sizemore on Sizemore. 800-848-9222. Carol is in New Jersey. Hello, Carol. Hi, Frank. Once again, congratulations on the birth of Carmine. And today is my birthday, by the way. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you Happy very birthday much. birthday indeed. 800-848-WABC. One, two, three, four, five, six open lines if you want to jump on board. Mark is in New Haven. Hello, Mark. Hey, Frank. So um, your discussion about Viagra reminded me of something that Rodney Dangerfield told Johnny Carson. He said, you know, there's a story that when you get old, the mind is the first thing to go, but it's not true. <laughs> okay, fair enough. 800-848-9222. Ralph is in New Jersey. Okay, uh, the charity that uh, I want people to support are the following. Food Bank of Monmouth County, Boys and Girls Club, Catholic Charities, Habitat for Humanity. Last but not least, Jesse Show Rescue Mission. They are really doing God's work, people, so please support them. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. All right, well... We will end it on that upbeat note there, I suppose. Uh, you can find us on Facebook if you want to be heard, uh, facebook.com slash MoranoFan, or you could join the Facebook group. Uh, all you have to do is go on Facebook and search Morano Radio Fans and Haters, and you could interact with uh, some of the other listeners who listen to this photograph. The uh, WABC Early News with Deb Valentine is coming back is coming up next. I'm going to be back tomorrow from 1 to 5. Tomorrow we are scheduled to have on I'm awaiting final confirmation, but we're scheduled to have on Alex Berenson. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with Alex Berenson, but he's a former New York Times reporter and he is one of the journalists that has been writing and covering the aspects of this covid epidemic that or pandemic that the mainstream media will not touch with a 10 foot pole so he was one of the early people covering the mask mandates and now he's been covering these vaccine mandates he's got a new book out called pandemia and he's gotten a lot of attention. He's scheduled to be here tomorrow. And I have some other surprises up my sleeve uh, tomorrow as well. And uh, we'll, you know, it's definitely going to be a show worth worth listening to. Uh, we may have some updates on this North Pole situation as well. So uh, certainly a lot to uh, a lot to get to. And, uh, you know, I didn't know it was Carol's birthday today. I would have taken her call earlier if she had uh, if she had uh, done that. It's funny. My friend Barry Farber, when he was a radio producer for uh, Tex McCrary, he got an interview with Bob Hope by telling Bob Hope that it was his birthday. And I don't know if it was actually Barry's birthday, but it was it was effective in that uh it did help him get the interview with Bob Hope. Uh, but, but it was Sinatra's birthday yesterday. We had some great coverage of uh, of the new statue unveiling. You know whose birthday it is today, believe it or not? Dick Van Dyke, 96 years old today. 
God bless him. And Steve Buscemi, uh, one of the great actors of our time from The Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, Big Fish, Reservoir Dogs, and of course, The Big Lebowski. He is 64 years old today. So happy birthday to them and to you, if it's your birthday today. The WABC Early News with Deb Valentine is next. You want to stay in touch? Email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Thank you again, everybody for your well wishes, for your thoughts, your emails, your cards on the birth of my son, Carmine. Appreciate it very much. Thank you to Molly, Matt, and Ryan for the stellar job you've done for the last four hours. I will see you tomorrow. Until then, to be continued.